Aquellos ojos verdes de Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. I'm Jonathan. And I'm JR. JR is here again. I'm sorry, I forgot that he's one of our regular hosts, so he should just inter- introduce himself, right? You, yeah, you put I don't me on need the to website. Introduce you. Yeah, well, he did. Okay. <laughs> just to let you know. I'm on, I'm on the website now. That's so. right. So JR, uh, his triumphant return to the show... There's no escape. Uh, there's no escape. <laughs> and uh, in honor of his return, he's bringing us his pick this week for the deep dive in the mood for love from Not 2000. Just Not just his pick. Not just his pick. His favorite movie of all time. Oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like where are we going with this? Yeah. Yeah, my number one. Yeah, number one movie of all time from Can't. the year 2000. Can't wait for you guys to just... Shit. Shit all over it. I Film school favorite, In the Mood for Love, directed by Wong Kar Wai. Uh, I don't like this, this qualifier here. I thought they were supposed to be roasting Bruce Willis, not JR. Anyway, what are they, roasting Bruce Willis? Yeah, he's got a, he's got a roast On Comedy Central? Up. Yeah. No shit? Yeah, yeah. I can get into that. He yeah. sucks. Yeah, and like people talk shit about him. Yeah, like I don't think he take it very well. Yeah, he seems like he doesn't have a sense of humor about himself (laughs) anymore. Really, you know. This sounds like the thing he would do to prove that he has a sense of humor. Yeah, but then he doesn't. But then he doesn't punches someone. He's gonna get real (laughs) mad. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who's gonna be on the dais? Is it released yet or? Um, I, I think Demi Moore it. is going to be there. Uh, who gives, uh, who, what actual comedians are going to be on Jeff the Ross. Kept? Jeff Ross. Probably Jeff Ross again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably Shaq. Lisa Lampanelli. Okay. And Justin Bieber. Nick DiPaolo. It's kind of sad now. Sarah Silverman. <laughs> She's funny. <laughs> she can be. Um, all right. Well, uh, so just uh, how's everybody going? How's everybody going today? <laughs> How's it going? Going nowhere. I'm sitting. That's a, <laughs> I worry that you guys got me back on like a like a C minus day. I don't feel great. I'm like I, I'm nervous about having to defend my favorite movie. So maybe it's just like all a mental state. But well, I'm like, yeah. heads up, I'm I'm excruciatingly exhausted today. But it's not because of anything that I did. It's just because I was I had to sit in a house all day yesterday. That was. Uh, there was like no air conditioning and it was like 85 degrees in the house all day and it's just muggy and there's like 25 people walking around and they kept opening the door and closing the door. Why? What Why? were you doing? It was horrendous. I got, uh, I had to go to, uh, my wife's aunt's house and they apparently are afraid to run the air conditioning too low. So it was just really, really hot all day. Uh, and I just had to sit there on their black leather couches. Oof. You know, you know, what's the brutal. same as, your air conditioner breaking because you ran it too low? Hmm. Not running it. Exactly. It's yeah, the same exactly. thing. Use it while it lasts. Exactly. <laughs> they right. make the ex- well, my wife kept making the excuse that uh, the living room is an add-on to the original house, and so it doesn't have the, the airflow that the rest of the house has, but then you go to the rest of the house, it's just as hot. So it was brutal. It was a real, like, a nightmare. It was, like, sitting in a sauna, and that didn't help that there was, like, 25 people in there and, like, children who are, like, running around rampant, like, constantly. So, you know, they're taking up twice the oxygen like, everybody else is. Read the fucking room, children. Yeah, exactly. We're hot. Chill. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just go to sleep. Go in the back room and go to sleep. <laughs> Somebody should have given them some Benadryl for sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was pretty brutal. And uh, I got eight and a half hours of sleep last night. And I woke up and I was I drank, I drank a whole thing of cold brew. And I was still like, I can go right back to sleep right now. Like, I feel horrible. And my wife felt the exact same way. And we had to go out to brunch 
this morning. Uh, oh, oh no! With the same people for Meals. her her sister's birthday. Where? Mason's Grill. Oh god! You been it's there? Far away. Never been. It looks horrible. And it's redneck. it's the food's okay. Everything else about it is the worst thing you can possibly imagine. Like it's, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, on brunch day it is. It's chaotic. <laughs> it's, it's loud. You can't hear anybody at your table. Nine hundred people at a bar. Yeah. just like filling out these margarita cards. Yeah, <sighs> and then there's the there's the cards on each table for the bloody mason, which they serve that's, with a beef a beef a beef jerky <laughs> straw. Margarita at ten thirty. Yeah, what? just disgusting. It comes with a beef jerky straw and bacon in it. I mean, Bloody Marys are gross. That sounds it's horrible, normal to me. Who like, would yeah. want that? Though? You fill you fill the Bloody Mary with like uh, savory stuff. Yeah, it's just that's gross. So, I don't know. It's like drinking sausage. salt water. Like I don't who, like, who would want this? I don't yeah, understand. Like, it. Her aunt bought like three of them and uh, just chugged them down one one after the other. Everybody else had mimosas. I had Klein Peter chocolate milk. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I drink a uh, a very light style of beer that has a touch of salt in it. Oh, okay, like not. Hmm. It's called a Goza. Hmm, it's good. It's a little tart, little little tart, little salty. Little tart, little salty. That sounds that sounds all right. I could get into that maybe, but the 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 you know just I don't drinking at breakfast. Also, <laughs> is just I don't know. It just seems like a really like weird, uh, just an excuse to drink. You know, it shuts down your day. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not doing anything else. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. And there's so many people waiting. Like they were like, let's get there for ten. And I was like, okay, well, that means we're having lunch there, then not brunch because we're not going to be eating until like eleven thirty. Right. So I was like, we're definitely having breakfast at the house first. And we got there, and uh, we got seated at ten because they made like a reservation, but we still didn't eat till like ten forty-five. And uh, and Nicole wasn't even like that hungry because you know we had breakfast, which is right. fine. She had a breakfast quesadilla. I don't know. Everything's just weird and just like just serve food. Just serve normal food. Right. Breakfast quesadilla. <laughs> anyway. Uh <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, so that was a nightmare and it was really, really hot going outside and everybody dispersed at the same time, so like nobody oh, said God. goodbye to anybody because everybody just wanted to get to their car and turn the air on. And I had Amelia, so I had to get to the car and turn the air on because you can't leave the baby outside. It was brutal. Yeah, they have all these new parenting rules that are crazy. Yeah. Can't leave the baby outside. Can't leave the baby in the car. I know, right? God. Can't so drop the baby. <laughs> it's all crazy. Can't give the baby Benadryl to put her to sleep. Can't put him to work at eight. You know? Yeah, you need to, though. <laughs> Fuck labor laws. <laughs> that brings us to our first news item, actually. Uh, uh, also, <laughs> a child abuse-related uh, news item. Uh, director James Gunn fired from Guardians 3 for uh, yeah. some ch- sexual child tweets from 10 years ago. Not even 10 years ago, like six, seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which apparently were jokes. I read them. They, I guess they play as jokes, but they're not funny. <laughs> they're very, like, they're kind of disturbing. Yeah, yeah. He invokes the name of Nambla at one point, which is like the North American Man-Boy Love Association. So it's like, yeah. it's weird that he would mention them by name. I, I I don't know. It's it's a little weird. I don't necessarily. I don't. I don't know how do you guys feel about his being fired. Not that. Not that. I mean, any I of you necessarily give a fuck about Guardians Three? I certainly don't. But uh, you know, I have to read the tweets. But I mean, the I'll tweets are pretty. The tweets are pretty fucked I don't up. Know if I like, really want to. Because like it's like it's like a couple of them are about pedophilia, and then yeah, he also jokes about like nine eleven <laughs> and and HIV and like you know oh, some. It's like. You know, 
yeah, shock the, like shock are, comedy is like that's not you know like all, clearly though. you're this not a not shock comic yeah like the, the hardy boys and the mystery of what it feels like when uncle bernie fists me this is not fun i mean yeah he the hotel shower is the weakest it's <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because it's it's funny that someone thought these were funny yeah right <laughs> yeah because that's it's just weird the rape yeah. one is just not even three men and the baby what, what they you, had sex with hashtag unromantic comedies um, you know, Maybe this is like a part of your trauma trauma contract. When you work for the studio, you gotta gotta do some shot comedy tweets. Maybe to be bad. Maybe, Maybe. He didn't like want to direct the movie. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe what? He didn't want to direct it. He went back in time. Well, no, this is a conservative uh, troll. Jack Posebiak uh, dug these up oh. to get him fired, and then it worked, and Success. Disney fired him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, <clears throat> I don't love that he was fired for it. I don't either. I think it's weird that they fired him outright, especially since it was you're like playing into the hands of this conservative troll, yeah, who wanted that to happen. Well, I think these days, especially, and I hate to sound like fucking Jerry Seinfeld, but like, you know, pretty much anything like this in your past is pretty much, you know, you will be fired before the lids of your eyes can finish a blink sure it's definitely uh touchy out there right now for sure and then when you get like stuff like this which is like yeah it's like sort of jokey but then it's like really too far to be considered a joke at that point i just need an explanation like why? Why would you do this? He apparently <laughs> apologized for it already, like two <laughs> right, years ago. Right, right. Somebody dug them up before, and he yeah, said getting he was fired sorry. is extreme. But uh, yeah, uh, that, yeah, those are really stupid comments. Yeah, attempts at jokes. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> yeah they're bad. Yeah, but, you know, uh, I don't I don't you know it's like I think it's just if he worked for anybody but Disney, I don't think he would have gotten fired. Mm. Disney wants to maintain squeaky cleanness at yeah. every turn. I don't think this will be a, like a career ender. I think no. Yeah. He will continue to work. Absolutely. Yeah, because this is also the guy who like wrote or co-wrote the Belco experiment. Yeah, yeah. So, and he also wrote and directed Slither. So, well, I don't know if those are going to help him get jobs. I think. Well, that no, but the Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the more thing that he's well known for at this point, Kevin. No, I don't know if if he gets enough people on his Kickstarter, he could make another gross ass horror movie i mean i'm sure he might go back to that i mean obviously he doesn't work for disney yeah, anymore yeah. but he's the know. former uh he's the former jenna mr jenna fisher is anyone, he really wow anyone likes the office no the office blows but uh well jenna fisher blows on the office but uh that's interesting the british office is the superior office i don't agree with that but well no. you know whatever <laughs> I strongly disagree <laughs> see Gervais is funny but the rest of those people suck <laughs> <laughs> isn't martin freeman in it he's mm-hmm. okay yeah, Martin. Freeman. He's not funny, but he's okay as an actor. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so that's that. Uh, let's talk about these trailers first. The boy, uh, uh, sorry, boy erased. Sorry, uh, boy which erased. is not a racer boy. Directed by uh, Joel Edgerton, who uh, famously uh, did The Gift, which was kind of a sleeper hit a couple of years ago. Um, a horror thriller kind of thing. Did you see The Gift? No, there, John. No, did not see The Gift. Oh, really? Interesting. I'm, that's like the might jump on J- my list here. Jason Bateman, please yeah. no, yeah, please, please no. <laughs> it's good. Uh, I gave it a four and a half. I really it, liked it. it. Was okay. Oh, okay. I you watched it. Yeah, I watched. It. Oh, I remember having no interest. That was all right. 
Fuck you, man. I'm just <laughs> I mean, kidding with you. You're all right. We all have different opinions. It's just you know? all right. This makes the world go round. I thought it was uh, very great, very clever, very well done. And uh, I don't mind Joel Edgerton as a human. I think he makes a lot of poor decisions acting-wise uh, or career-wise, I guess I should say. Like, mm. uh, you know, he was in Red Sparrow, which I recently saw and was trash. Mm. And uh, he was in that the, the misguided uh, David Ayer Netflix movie, Bright, with Will Smith. Yeah. Where he played a troll, a literal troll, unlike the conservative troll that outed James Gunn. Uh, I didn't know he was the troll. Yeah. So uh, Boy Erased is a, a movie about, uh, what do they call them, re-education camps or something? I don't is, that, is that the term? Like, what is it? To, where they send gay people to, like, Christian camps to turn them not gay? Conversion? Conversion. conversion? Gay right, conversion right. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they send uh, the kid from uh, Manchester by the Sea to a gay conversion camp. His parents do, who are played by Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. And Joel Edgerton is the camp leader who tells him that he's not really gay. Yeah. And, you know, drama ensues. So what do you guys think of this one? I know Jared didn't have a chance to watch it. Just forgot. He couldn't and set aside three minutes out of his goddamn day. Yeah, I'm missing much. Just kidding. You're cool. <coughs> Sorry. You know, I'm not in the... I just, like, haven't been in the movie mode. It's weird. Well, I, yeah, I, I disagree. You, lo- you logged 10 movies in two days recently, so I, I, I disagree. Just trying to get back in. Yeah. Just trying to get into just it. forcing it back in. Five movies a day. Right. <laughs> what did uh, the two of you think about Boy Erased? I think it could be good. I mean, it's definitely a lot of Oscarvation, but mm, uh, definitely. I think it could actually be pretty good. John? Yeah, it's it's a touchy subject, you know. Mm. Um, I'd be interested to see what how it, you know. Unfolds. Jonathan, any comments specifically about Russell Crowe's physique in this movie? That's why the boy was erased. He, he ate him. <laughs> Russell Crowe looking particularly, uh, yeah, I, poor, I don't poorly know if in this one. Fa- fat suit or no? He's really fat. He's really that big. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. yeah. Do you think he, is he fat for the role or is he? Just no, I think he's fat? just fat because okay. he's getting older. You know, he's yeah, a, yeah. He's, it's been he's twenty years almost it's, since Gladiator. Yeah. So right. He's let himself know. go a little bit. Yeah, I think that I think he uh, he claims he gained the weight for the role in Body of Lies. Right. I'm not sure he did. He might have just gained weight and been like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I put it on for the role because he, you know, he is he is thinner. He gotten he had gotten thinner yeah, for yeah. a few movies, but not that thin. Like he was still a yeah, little yeah. heavy in Les Miserables and whatever the uh, the Dark Universe movie was that he was in. He was. Uh, oh yeah, the mummy. mummy. Yeah, the mummy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He definitely put weight on for this movie though. Like he's he's, he's definitely fat and bigger than normal. He definitely right. put weight on before this movie. Yeah, before <laughs> before this, yeah. <laughs> definitely <laughs> happened before filming. Uh, right. Yeah. So I think this movie is. Uh, it looks fine. It might be okay. It's very overcast. Like there's no reason for Nicole Kidman or Russell Crowe to be in this movie. Uh, I think that like it's distracting. Yeah, I think Isn't it is. It? I agree. Like, Nicole Kidman, especially Nicole Kidman, because she's just like you. Like, been like a Texas housewife or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I don't know where this is set, yeah, but really, and she's she's like, no. probably Texas. So. It, she just <laughs> yeah, doesn't yeah. look. Yeah, I don't. I'm not into that at all. I like Nicole Kidman, but she's got to be in the right kind of role. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. She's not just someone you just throw in there to play a random mother. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it's going for the uh, you know the kind of the blind side kind of Oscar push. Definitely, and yeah, uh, it'll probably get some nominations. But uh, I don't know. It'll be okay, maybe. Yeah, seems like a solid three, two and a half, three, based on the trailer. Uh, that brings us to our second and only other trailer, the official sequel to Unbreakable and Split Glass, directed by M Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. 
uh, he's having a Shyamalanescence of, a, of sorts <laughs> recently, <laughs> uh, starting with The Visit and uh, continuing on to Split. Been doing very well for himself. Split did really well, didn't it? Yeah. It mm. Pretty well. So did The Visit. Did you guys see Split? <laughs> I saw Split. Yeah, I, I saw Split. I, I haven't seen The Visit. I didn't see Split. I do want to see it. Uh, I wanted to see it. I I wanted to see it when I first saw the trailer, and then it was rated PG thirteen, and I kind of lost a lot of interest for it. I thought it was going to be like a, and then when I found out it was a connected to Unbreakable, it was like even more so. I was like, I don't really? know. Really, that I, made me want to see. it. I know. I kind of yeah. like it's interesting, I but I like the idea of the idea of it for Unbreakable before yeah. the. I don't know. I like Unbreakable, but I've never seen Unbreakable. Oh, really? Jesus wow. Christ! And I had no idea this movie was happening, and I had no idea that Split was connected to another movie. Yep. Oh, because you, you saw Unbreakable. And, uh, you haven't seen Unbreakable. You saw Split, and you right. didn't realize that Bruce Willis is in Split. I, I did realize that. So you, you didn't ask yourself him. like, yeah. why is Bruce Willis in this movie? <laughs> Not really. I don't like to think about him very much. <laughs> <laughs> I need well, to rewatch yeah. Unbreakable though. It, it might be a fucking no. It's same good. Shit. No, it's good. It's good. Okay. The score is terrible, but the rest of it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And I watched I watched this trailer on on the Filmiac blog. Nice. And did you like? Was there no caption? Is there no? Uh, like, did you guys not write anything about this trailer? Uh, Glass. Yeah, I believe Kevin did write something okay. about this trailer. Well, maybe I just didn't yeah, click. I, I can't. I didn't can't click remember. read more. So I just saw Sarah Paulson. Like yeah. she's like the the front thing, and I saw Glass, and then I saw that it was. Uh, oh, yeah. he didn't. He didn't write long. anything. He wrote nothing. Okay. Way to go. I'm just kidding. You're cool. So I was yeah. I was surprised when I saw those three characters sitting in a chair, or those three actors. Yeah, yeah. It was like. I think Sarah Paulson is a really great actress, but in this it looks... I don't know about that. I think she's uh, fine in some things. I don't know about this This whole Sarah Paulson. I feel like she's riding the wave right now, uh, and people are overhyping her a little bit. I mean, she's fine. Let's not get out of hand, you know? Like, what's she been great in? The OJ show. What else? <laughs> Hype is dangerous. I'm done. She's like one of the very, very, f- very few good parts of any of the American horror story stuff. Well, you know that's fine. And she was really good in Deadwood. Um, oh, see, I don't remember her in that. Yeah, she was like she's in uh, that Kate uh, Blanchett lesbian movie, Carol. She's okay in that, I guess. But I mean, she's she, barely in it. So I didn't see that. Oh well, you know Sarah Paulson. I mean, whatever. You know, <laughs> she is good as Marsha Clark. Is Marsha Clark? The yeah. OJ lawyer, yeah, the yeah. Uh, OJ prosecutor yes. in the uh, that trashy miniseries that was okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Glass, what do you guys think of Glass? I mean, besides the fact that Jr. didn't realize that this was an Unbreakable sequel, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I guess I need to watch Split. But I mean, what the f- and what the fuck was going on? Like they in the trailer, like a, they did like a roll call of, of heroes. Like, yeah, and I don't like that. I don't like they're just explaining heroes to me. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't like I don't like how it's seen. yeah, I think Sarah Paulson's narration in the trailer or her monologue yeah, is the worst part bad. about it. Yeah. Like she's the whole like we specialize in people who believe they're superheroes. Saying superheroes. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. word yeah. superheroes, yeah, it's just <laughs> like it's brutal. It it feels like not only is it connected to like split and unbreakable, but it also seems like Shyamalan is like taking Lady in the Water a little bit, or I don't know, maybe. Uh, but like, it's all like maybe not taking a stab, but like commenting, quote unquote, 
on superhero movies and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. Like, that like, could be interesting. Yeah, I don't know, though. Like The McAvoy uh, galloping at the end was kind of weird looking. <laughs> galloping like an animal? I mean, I didn't see that Split. Was. Does he do that in Split? Yeah. No, no. He, um, he doesn't gallop. Oh, okay. He does... <laughs> He does physically impossible things. Right. Because yeah, he's, yeah. he's the beast, right? Right. He, and he's unleashing the beast. Um, he's beast from X-Men? Sort of. Oh. And Professor X. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Anyway, <laughs> moving uh, moving on to what we watched. Uh, who wants to start on what we Well, I guess, you know, JR hasn't been here in <laughs> eight eight weeks, feels like. So, I'll, yeah, I'll start. Jump um, in. Yeah, I just couldn't help but notice all your shows... Without me, they just sucked. Just yeah, they did. Winston. Did you actually listen to them? Yeah. I, the one well, with Winston is brutal, isn't it? <laughs> it's for no. It Wait, Winston's it was not so brutal. so bad was, I uh, had to make him excuse and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the movie was bad. Yeah. You, yeah, was, I forgot you watched I, the movie. That was shocking to me. Yeah, yeah. and I, I was hoping that... Uh, you didn't have to do that. You took one for the team there. I was curious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was hoping Winston would, would like have a little bit more fire in defending it, but... No. He's trolling. You guys, yeah, yeah, he has trashed it. Deser- he, deservedly so. He, he, I don't. I don't believe he's a trolling about it. I think he genuinely likes it. He can't defend it though. He doesn't know what to say to defend it. And when you talk to him about <laughs> when, when I talk to him about it now, like when we we went and played Magic the other day with him, and Jonathan brought it up, and he got a little mad that we were talking about it. Still, <laughs> he was like, "No, let's just not even talk about it." He's just like because he knows he knows we hate it. He doesn't want to hear any more bad stuff about it. Uh, I did. Uh, hmm. And then the next week, I, I put you guys. I was listening two days ago to the uh, the past two episodes, and mm-hmm. I, I put you guys on on one and a quarter speed. Oh, nice! Just oh, to, to try and see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. You guys sound fine. Get you guys them, sound fine. Get doing quicker. Up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did like. Uh, you know, I like a lot of Park's thoughts on the Florida Project. Sure. You know, because I, I enjoy that movie, but I haven't thought about it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So you maybe, love. Maybe it. I'll. Re- He's obsessed yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll revisit it. And then look up that girl on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what? Uh, all right, I did 12, 12 days without watching a movie. And Whoa. so uh, I came home, Damn. and I was like, what movie will make me want to never watch a movie again? And so I threw on the fifteen seventeen to Paris. Nice. And <laughs> it almost succeeded. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, Movies are done. <laughs> In the words of Cleavon Little, man, why you do that to yourself? This is uh, famously... I honestly don't know what I was doing. Yeah. Putting this on. Well, maybe not famously, because nobody ever actually saw this movie, but it's it's cast with the real-life, quote, heroes, unquote, of the train yeah. attack. Yeah. Yep. Are they great actors? They no. seem like it from the trailer. <laughs> They're bad. And it, it's really... Uh, only one of them is, like, made into a character. The other ones are just, you know, side guys. Mm. Uh, it's like the the white ball guy is the character, right? right. Yeah, and the one who says "shut yeah. the heck up" in the trailer because <laughs> he can't curse because he's, he's just, like Christian. Yeah, or something. he's just like a good boy, yeah. you know, just like a really good boy. <laughs> I mean, he's he's so bad. He talks so much in this movie, and every time he talks, it's a it's a nightmare. Um, you know, like Jenna Fisher is cast, and Judy Greer are cast as like mothers. For some reason, and you don't, I don't know why they're in the movie. They shouldn't be in this movie. They have like a weird scene with a teacher where the teacher is like, Your boys need to be on Ritalin. And they're like, How dare you tell me 
about my boy. It's it's oh, bad, and oh I don't. God. I just the and the train the train thing. It's only like fifteen minutes of the movie. It's like fifteen fucking minutes, and you know, so the, you have to get to know these characters. <laughs> that's, that's all uh. we do. All we do is get to know these three characters, but only one of whom we really know because yeah. they only care about the big white one. No, does does it get does it get violent? Yeah, I mean graphically so. Yeah, I mean they beat the shit out of like this this guy with a gun on the train. Doesn't he shoot one of them? No, or his gun malfunctions, doesn't it? Yeah, or something. Okay, I read about the actual incident on Wikipedia at some point. I think the only part of the movie I liked is when one of the guys uh, gets the gun and they have taken out this terrorist. the other white guy just like starts walking through the train with the gun to like tell everyone it's safe, except that he's holding a gun right, so and speaking all... a language that the people don't speak. <laughs> so he just looks like a terrorist still. And the people, a lot of the people are just still just really frightened of him. Like when he comes into a train, everyone just kind of like gets down and then someone's like, no, he's one of us or one, he's one of the good guys, not one of us. One of us. It's uh, but it's, it's, it's just like 75 minutes of of fucking, I don't know, a fart of a movie. <laughs> and then uh, 15 minutes of, a, you know, punching punching a brown guy. And then it's done. <laughs> how, how how long does it go after the train incident? Just like five minutes. Oh, okay. So it's a yeah. short movie then. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a 90 minute movie. That's not too bad. At least no, it's it short. is bad. Well, at least it's short. It's, it's really bad. <laughs> Don't Would ever you say watch this it. is uh, bottom tier then for Eastwood as a director? Is he this is bottom? the worst Clint Eastwood movie? Wow, by maybe like a whole star or a half star. You know. This is that much worse than American star? Sniper. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't like American Sniper. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> this is bad. I don't. I don't find. I. I'm very. I remember when he was uh, like getting Oscar nods for like everything he directed. Uh, for a while there, like every year, you come out with a movie and he just get nominated for best director, and I, I never understood it because he's just he doesn't he's very like a journeyman director, like he doesn't do anything special. He's notorious for doing like one take, you know, like he wants to get everything. He always right. coming in under budget, on time, and his movies look like it. They look like he spent no time on them at all, to the point where you know, famously in American Sniper, they didn't have the baby for the scene, so they got the rubber baby. And uh, Bradley Cooper is like moving the hand to make it look like it's a lot. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> but I mean, like Eastwood couldn't that. just walk out on a corner and ask for a baby. I mean, it's just like even even you got to get a union baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> even beyond that, I mean, it's just like you don't just maybe just you know change the scene a little bit, shoot around it. I don't know. It's just such a weird choice to. He just seems like he's such he's so like okay, we've got these scenes to do today. We're not deviating from this. I've only got X amount of dollars, and I need to take home half of that as my pay. <laughs> so it's yeah. just, you know, it's very, I don't know. And he's like 90 years old. I can't think of a movie that he's directed in the last 20 years that's been good at all to me. I mean, I, I didn't hate Blood Work. Yeah, I don't have one. But it's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's just okay. I mean, I like, uh, I like you know, beyond that, I like, I like his westerns that he directed. I like High Plains Drifter, and I yeah. like... Uh, Unforgiven, yeah. What about uh, his first one, uh, Play Misty for me? I never saw that. Okay, that's also one of my least favorite of his movies. Mm. I, I think that's worse than American Sniper. Um, Ouch! But it's, it's the first movie. 
Um, what's a what's the great yeah. what's a great Eastwood film for you? Un- Directing Unforgiven. Wise. Unforgiven. Unforgiven sure. is great. Right. And it I is good. he doesn't have a great movie since. You know, Letters from Iwo Jima is okay. I didn't see either one of the Flags of Our Fathers right. is not good. What about yeah. Million Dollar Baby? I think he won the Oscar for that one. Yeah, I'm not a, not a fan of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. <clears throat> what about I don't, a don't cha- like Reno. Changeling? I watched that one pretty recently. I actually liked Changeling okay, when I, as I recall. I saw it in the theater. Uh. I remember being like pleasantly surprised with it. Changeling right. was interesting. I I didn't didn't love it. Though. I remember being like I remember thinking it was like way outside the box for Eastwood to do this movie. Like it didn't seem like yeah. something he would do normally. Yeah. Right, a movie, movie about a woman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's yeah, true. Seriously. Uh, uh, anyway, so well, let's, uh, let's move on from this fucking. Train well, we wreck. we got I got uh, a train <laughs> movie. Sorry. I There's know no that I, JR walks in. He's like, I don't know how I feel about the podcast today, man. But he's just doing oh, yeah. zinger after zinger. He's on top of his game yeah. for sure. Yeah, it turns out I'm much more passionate about this movie than I realized. <laughs> What'd you give this? Passionate about about hatred. One point two five. I rounded it up to one point five on Letterboxd. Sure. Might change that. Might change it. Just dump it, man. Yeah. I've given two zeros out in the last two weeks or three weeks. So. Damn. Yeah, they're brutal, man. Zeros. I don't what? think I. I gave found a zero. I can't remember what else oh. I gave a zero. Something though recently was, uh, uh, was horrible. Was it Sound of Thunder? You gave like no. I gave that a point two five. Right, yeah, that, right, that, right. That, that slight, the, the slightest of redemptions. I want to watch right. that movie now. You got to check it out. It's on HBO now, right now. So, <laughs> uh, Jonathan, uh, rewatched Full Metal Jacket. Um, getting my wife to watch movies, so. She liked Goodfellas, so I tried Full Metal Jacket. And, How did uh, she like this one? Because I don't think she logged it. Uh, did she not? She's. Really I don't know if she did or not. I don't think she did. She probably didn't. She um, she's on and off about that. She'll rate some things and then she forgets to rate other things. How she, do you forget? She you doesn't give a shit to That's log just, stuff. <laughs> you don't just sit on the computer and be like, thank God now I can check this movie. Is is your wife on Letterboxd? No, my wife hates movies though. Oh well, my wife loves movies, but she, I just got her on Letterboxd for the first time. Uh, two movies ago, so she's nice. she rated she's rated two movies now. But I have to remind her to do it. <laughs> I got her I got her the app set up on her phone, so uh, hopefully she'll stay on top of it. She she really likes a lot of movies, but she just yeah, yeah. Uh, she always like st- stupid to rate stuff. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> you gotta you gotta put your opinion out there, lady. Once I showed my wife uh, this, I have this, this app for uh, for beer where I can like rate the beer I drank yeah, yeah. and when my <laughs> wife saw that she was like do they have one for wine and I was like probably let's get it and I think if she could rate TV shows she would but I'm surprised that they don't TV have shows. a like a letterbox app like letterbox TV yeah. yeah yeah or like they should call it like one like uh what is it like what's the four by three instead of letterbox <laughs> four by three because it's yeah, television yeah. although all television is letterbox now anyway but yeah you know yeah. they should have like a letterbox tv app because i would rate tv also like all the time I mean, would you rate individual episodes yeah, seasons that's, that's or? the question but i think they should offer both i think they should offer both just like imdb if you go on imdb and you go to a specific episode they have ratings yeah. for the specific episode and i, I don't right. like that you can just rate a tv show bef- like we've had one episode of a tv show let's all go give the whole well, you shouldn't TV be able, you 10. shouldn't be able to rate the season until the season's over. You shouldn't be able to rate the TV show until the TV show's over. Right. That's why I agree with that. Ah. This is an app in the making, Jr. We should get on this. Yeah, it's a million dollar idea. Anyway, Jonathan, Full Metal Jacket, uh, Sorry, Kubrick's uh, war time masterpiece. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, 
No, it's good. It, you know, it's it's good. Um, gave it a four and a half. Uh, How about that score? Score is is fucking killer. <laughs> it's sick. It's, uh, like the didn't his daughter do? Yeah, his daughter did, did it. Some yeah. sound design work. Yeah, two. He, he, she definitely did two of the tracks on the score. I don't know if a lot of somebody else came in as composer, like but ambient type shit. Yeah, uh, really good stuff. Um, Creepy. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies. It's hard to talk about, to be honest. It's it's just really good. I don't know. <laughs> Great review. <laughs> it's really good. I, I don't, don't know, know. What, what to say. That hasn't been said. Except there, except that uh, Kevin hates this movie. Apparently, yeah, Kevin gave it a two. I think, which is insane. I don't understand because it either. Because it's bad. It's, it's extremely <laughs> good. Kevin's Kevin's face right now is just trying to trying to hide in his pib. <laughs> when you gave it to, was that the first time you've seen it? No, it was like the second time. Hmm. That's your problem right there. You've only seen it twice. What's the first time you saw it? Well, how old were you? Uh, I was definitely in my 20s. Because nostalgia plays a part, too. I think I showed Jonathan this movie for the first time when oh, yeah. we were both okay. 11 or 12. Stuff, yeah. so right, right. That um, has a lot to do with it, too, probably. But, I mean, I, I find that movies that I liked when I was a kid that I rewatch now and hold up, that I, I like them like that much more because I'm so I impressed that. that they totally. hold up. Kind of, yeah. kind of like that with The Land of Time, yeah. Oh, see, I haven't Land before time. I never saw Land Before Time. The Land of Time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like this. Yeah, like, that that happens more often with like some of some of the animated movies that I saw as a kid, like Land Before Time, like, and I like Secret of Nim, like went way further up in my estimation. Hmm. It's so so good. It's like, why it's why Beauty and the Beast is so high for me because right. I've rewatched all of them now, and Beauty and the Beast is the only one that's still it's still very good. Whereas, like, Aladdin is just okay, and Lion King is, like, almost not good, and Little Mermaid is trash. <laughs> so it's, like, it's Aladdin's shocking to good? me. It's okay. What about uh, Great Mouse Detective? I don't know. I'm talking about, like, the major Disney, you know. Doesn't hold up. I didn't see it. I, don't, I mean, I haven't seen it since I was I a kid. Bought it, yeah, I bought so. the Great Mouse Detective on Blu-ray when it came out. And oh, go. It's just like, yeah. I mean, Silence. I, I think, uh, well, I, I, yeah, you know, but I, I think that, you know, Full Metal Jacket, yeah. I, I, I think, say, I think it I, suffers from the kind of like two act structure that it has. It's, yeah. It's, and I think that it's, it only suffers from that though, because people, I hesitate to say people like Kevin, but people who don't like the film, <laughs> uh, that tends to be the argument against the film is that I like the first part. I don't like the second part. I think I think Nicole had the same. Th- my wife has the same argument. She doesn't like it because she doesn't like the second half. I actually I agree to that to a certain extent. Half. I prefer the second half because as well. Because I like all of the quotes and all the shit that people quote and it is know, it's it, over it's, all it's in the first so half. overblown now. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the Big Lebowski. It's yeah. like I don't like. When when it, when the Big Lebowski gets to those points, like with the Jesus and stuff, yeah, it's like that's fine and that's good. But I've, I ha- when I, that happens, I have to think about all the frat guys who I've heard uh, like quoting that shit for years and years <laughs> and years. I want to get more to the deep cuts, you know, the the better, yeah. uh, you know, less talked about I, moments. I will say, makes a hell of a Caucasian, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, it does feel like a little like. Not lazy, but like uh, not as like Kubrick as Kubrick. You know what I mean? Like it's like it feels like he's like kind of loosening up. It's it's in not what as, way? I don't know. It just doesn't seem as. I mean, like The Shining is like rigid and like epic, and like everything before that is the same to me. But like this just feels really like shooting from the hip or something. I don't know. You know like I can see what you're saying. Hmm. Less planned. Yeah, like yeah, like less planned and like 
I don't know. Probably not less bland. It's in probably reality not at, at all. all. But like, it's, <laughs> yeah, just not as thought out. Maybe I don't know. Uh. Well, he uh, definitely. <sighs> I remember reading for, recently for that for the first time, not not realizing before that he shot it in England. That mm-hmm. he because he's afraid to fly, or he was afraid to fly, so he shot the whole thing in like outside of London, <laughs> and it's like it's. But it looks like Vietnam. It's weird. I don't know how he did it, really, because it looks very good. It looks like Vietnam a lot. Mm. But that's probably why why so much of it's in the city and everything, as opposed to, like, jungle combat. Yeah. But I think that's also something that makes it unique among Vietnam films, is that there's no jungle combat in it, which kind of kicks ass. <laughs> like, because it's just <laughs> a very unique vision of yeah. what Vietnam is. I mean, it does is. feel a little yeah. claustrophobic. Like, you feel like it. It's not. It doesn't feel like a set, but it. It is a set. I mean, it's yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah. where Apocalypse Now is like fucking full on. Like, yeah, Apocalypse I mean, now, it's not even comparable. Yeah, yeah. Like. Apocalypse <laughs> Now isn't a movie about Vietnam. Yeah, it is Vietnam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a famous quote from Coppola. Uh, anyway, but yeah. So, uh, would you what, what would you give this one out of five? It's a four and a half. I mean, it's great. It's a masterpiece, but it's a four and a half masterpiece. It's just not. It's not Kubrick. <laughs> it's not Kubrick enough. <laughs> I don't know. I see. I don't. I, I don't just, know if I, I can get don't. into that. I feel like someone else could have made this movie. I, I, I hate to say. I don't. That. Agree I really with that hate to say all. that. Like uh, you look at the other movie that came out. The, the other movies that came out around this time: Hamburger Hill and Platoon. And this is like the nightmare, hellish vision of Vietnam. Whereas those are the attempting to. Well, act, Hamburger Hill is like a TV movie almost, but Platoon is like the yeah. you know what trying to depict the reality of the war. In some way, I this think, is like the surrealistic vision of the war. I think that's a problem, though. It's like there's so many other Vietnam movies. That is that true. It's Kubrick. I mean, like this has to be top. Orange is but, like un- uncomparable. Like you know, well, yeah. I mean? and this is just I don't know. I'm thinking like ah, maybe I should have watched Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure he probably well, had you to, should. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we like when we did uh, Barry Lyndon. Like you know, he wanted to do a Napoleon movie, but mm. somebody else was making one. They wanted to do Vanity Fair, but somebody else was making like a TV series out of it. So then he ends up doing Barry Lyndon. So like it was probably the same thing with um, Full Metal Jacket. Where he he's got like, fucked a lot like that too. Like it's he yeah, had yeah. he had his Holocaust <laughs> drama he wanted to do, and then Spielberg did Schindler's List, so he felt like he couldn't do it anymore. Just do your thing, Kubrick. Like what? Yeah. What are you stopping your movies for? Based on these other shitty directors like Steven Goddamn Spielberg. <laughs> I mean, I like Schindler's List, but like. I mean, come on, Aryan papers? Like, I would much rather have a Kubrick Holocaust drama. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, um, like somebody else was making a movie about Napoleon, and like, I've never heard of that movie no, until yeah. I was reading about it on right. Wikipedia about Barry Lyndon. Yeah, who cares? So, who cares about that movie? Nobody. Yeah, I mean, maybe J.R. has seen it in... What, what's it called? I don't no, know. I think Napoleon. Napoleon oh. or, or some movie about... I don't or think maybe I've seen Waterloo that. or something. I think it's called Waterloo. Waterloo actually, yeah. now that I think about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, seventies. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's probably trash. Sh- trash garbage. Who gives but a yeah. fuck? But yeah, so like when Kubrick comes around to making a Vietnam movie, he's like, "Well, what can I do?" And so like you know he has to like avoid so many of the things about Vietnam that you know yes it makes it unique, but maybe it doesn't necessarily make it you know what he would have wanted if he had like perhaps his you know, focused vision on making a Vietnam movie. I think, yeah. I mean, I feel like he's just a, he's a victim of the system that was in place at that during his time. And yeah. uh, if he was alive and making films now, he would either be like Coppola and like not making anything or making shit on shoestring budgets. Or he would be like Paul Thomas Anderson and be like, you know, he'd have a patron just writing him checks to make movies. Mm. 
but uh, he's dead, so who gives a fuck? Uh, they did just recently unearth a, an un, uh, a finished screenplay, though, that he never made. you read about this? No. Some screenplay for some, based on some book. Did you read about this? Nobody read about this? No. They just, it was last week. You read about it and you didn't post it on the blog? No, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. No, it was, it's from the 50s. Uh, oh. Mm. Uh, it's considered a lost Kubrick screenplay, and somebody found it in a, uh, an archive in, like, UCLA or something. Mm. Uh, Burning Secret. It's from 1958, and uh, it was apparently based on a novella by S- Stefan Zweig, the, uh, I be- which I believe is the guy, the Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, yeah, yeah. the author that's mentioned in that right. a lot. Uh, yeah, so it's a story of adultery and passion set in a spa resort. I don't, I don't so know. It's, so Lo- Wes Anderson got hold of this thing and then made Grand Budapest. I mean, possibly. It says, it was, <laughs> oh, sorry, 1956. Yeah, it says he was, uh, he wrote it with novelist Calder Willingham. Ah. Uh, then he brought him on to collaborate with Paz of Glory the following year. So ah, they just okay. never got around to making it. But apparently uh, it exists. So could cool. be interesting. I don't know. Moving on, Kevin. So I rewatched Letter Never Sent by mm. Mikhail Kalatazov. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fucking fire in this movie, man. Yeah. Somebody like, somebody got hurt. Shot on sets, too. That's serious? Sounds, yeah. Very dangerous. Someone it's, got hurt. It is hurt. dangerous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you've seen this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's like, great. it's nuts when wait, you wait, look wait, at wait, it. Wait, 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 Sorry. Go this ahead. was shot on sets? The fire was shot on sets. Oh, I got to up my rating then. <laughs> get that Soviet money, man. <laughs> well, I get they that. They probably burned like, down the studio just doing it. They're going to fuck the well, studio. Like, like there are part, like, I, like, <laughs> I specifically remember like one part where they're like, like climbing up the hill towards the camera. And, like, way off in the distance, like, huge sheets of flame are falling into the water. Yeah. And that's on a set? I don't know how they did that, but... <laughs> I mean, they, they might have shot some of it on location. Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to have to... Like, I know the stuff, all the stuff where they were uh, walking around, like, underneath trees that were burning and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure is all on sets, I think I read. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh, it is... It, it When I saw your four and a half, I was a little shocked, because... It is a five. I mean, this is a Kalatazov well, now. Is yeah, the I mean, master. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like I watched this like way, way back, like um, maybe a year ago now. Because um, like uh, Ryan Johnson had released, or like he told the people who were making Last Jedi, like mm-hmm. watch like this list of movies, and of course, like only one of them. I can kind of see. Yeah, no, I, you don't even love that when they give them a list of these are the movies that inspired yeah, me yeah, to make yeah. this movie, and then the movie just looks like a cookie cutter like Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's somehow like, influenced by this classic cinema. <laughs> yeah, and especially like the, like the stuff on the list. It's like like because I watched all that all the stuff on that list, and like the only one that bears like the smallest resemblance is Twelve O'clock High, because you know like the first like ten minutes of Last Jedi, it's you know this bombing raid um but yeah the rest uh but letter never sent is on that list so i checked it out and then decided that i needed to watch it again and it's yeah it's pretty fucking phenomenal and i'm gonna watch soy cuba again because i'm sure that this will go up from what i gave it last time awesome and but yeah like all like the really like the way he moves his cameras 
Like, he shows you, like, you know, there's, like, three centimeters between these trees. And then the camera goes in that space to follow the actors and, like, all the, the shots with the uh, the actors in the foreground and, like, the sun in the background. It all looks amazing. And, like, the only thing that I would say might be uh, negative is, like, some of the acting moments are kind of, eh, maybe not amazing. <laughs> But, like, the rest of the movie more than makes up for it. And well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I was going to talk about, um, and I will talk about this when we discuss In the Mood for Love, but just, mm. like, acting in foreign films, I find it very hard to judge mm. uh, because oh, yeah. it's like they're speaking a different language, so I don't. their inflections seem to be in, like, the weirdest places. Yeah. Like, when they ask a question and they're speaking this other language, I can read that question how I would read it in English, yeah. but it doesn't sound anything like how they were, like how they were saying it. So I'm like, are they acting poorly or is that cultural or is it you know what i mean it's like and i just yeah. i never it's, i find it incredibly hard and like i've always i've said a lot about uh like the french new wave you watch these films and they're speaking very poetically and it, it works because they're speaking french like if they were speaking english it would sound absolutely ridiculous yeah but because they're speaking french it just works it's almost like you're reading poetry and listening to somebody speak yeah well i remember seeing an interview with uh peter cowie he was talking about seven seal and like like how it plays differently to Swedish speaking audiences because like they all they're all like you know watching the watching the the screen and watching the acting and everything so like they find it like very stilted even though it's you know very like poetic type dialogue and mm-hmm. and someone was like well Americans just read the subtitles right so they're seeing you know these wonderful words but you know it's not until like you watch it a couple of times and like you see how like stiff Max von Sydow gets like it's very like Hamlet soliloquy in the middle of like you know just like a regular dialogue scene right yeah oh, that reminds me uh, over under everybody take a guess how many films I have not seen from that new Criterion box oh <laughs> I was gonna yeah, we talked about time. that that's right I yeah know. you're fucked right are you fucked Technically, none of these films have been added to like the numbered list of Criterion releases. You I think still gotta doing... watch them, though. That's a loophole. Well, how many films do you think I have to watch? <laughs> there are thirty-nine, right? Yeah, I'd say you probably are ten. at least fifteen shy. I'd say ten, fifteen, ten. Kevin, uh, watch, gonna, watch him gonna... be like three shy. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Kevin's thinking about it. Yeah, I'm gonna go like eighteen. Eight. Eight. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Jonathan was closest. I win. <laughs> <laughs> closest. <laughs> we'll decide the prize later. I don't know what you win yet. But so you got eight men, eight eight movies to watch now. Yeah. And what are they? Yeah, what are they? I don't know. I, Speak them now. I just <laughs> read them off. I don't think I'd even heard of them. Oh really? I don't I haven't even looked at what's on the what's and in the box. None of set. them are unreleased? They've all been released on Criterion? No, some of them are no, oh, okay. most like, of like, them most are unreleased. Oh really? Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, like Serpent's Egg, I know for and like that's cool. Like Are there some of like the late '60s? His stuff? TV stuff is that on there? Like the la- like Saraband and Saraband. Saraband is, on is okay. and Fanny and Alexander is, but there's like a long gap between Fanny and Alexander and Saraband. No, I, yeah, Saraband was his last movie, right? But like on the box set, oh, there's right. a oh, there's yeah, a long there's, long yeah, gap. Yeah, yeah, like it pretty much goes like. Why can't I just find a fucking list? It's probably on Criterion.com. That's uh, pretty interesting, then. Well, uh, you know, that's great. 
Good we, luck with we that. Can, yeah, we can come back yeah. to this. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I watched the new season of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Then, and now it's a Netflix show officially because he left Crackle, I right. guess. Or wait, was Netflix it on Crackle? Original. Was that on Crackle? Yeah. 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 He's on Netflix now. And uh, so he's got 10 new episodes. I watched all of them. And uh, I watched an episode with Neil Brennan who is the co-creator of Chappelle's show. And if you ever remember watching Chappelle's show, Chappelle would mention him a lot. He'd be like, sometimes I'm hanging out with Neil and we do this or whatever. So I was talking about Neil Brennan. And uh, Neil Brennan was like funny and very intelligent on, on Chappelle's sh- I mean, on uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. So I was like, and they kept talking about his Netflix special, which is called Three Mics. So I felt like I had to watch it. So I turned it on, and uh, it's a it's a concept comedy special where there are three microphones on the stage and one is for one-liners so he just like reads <laughs> one-liners off of the index cards one is for quote emotional stuff and one is for stand-up so like traditional story that are funny and uh i'll tell you that concept is really pretentious and it <laughs> uh it works that way it's it's in that it doesn't work it's not good it's uh <laughs> Very little of this special I found funny. The one-liners are clever. They're not funny. And his stand-up is, like, subpar. And the emotional stuff is the worst because it's literally... You would think he would weave jokes into it, being that it's a comedy special, but he's literally just talking about, like, how shitty his relationship with his dad is. And then his dad Uh. died and cut him (laughs) out of his will. And he's, like, up there, like, trying to pause for effect. And it's just really awkward. Oh, and I, man, it was brutal. It was brutal. So I didn't uh, rate it because it's not a movie. But and normally I wouldn't even log it because, you know, it's just nothing. It's like an hour-long comedy special on Netflix. But And I watched a lot of these this week. But um, I felt it necessary to say something about it. So it was mm. just because it just wasn't very good. Fuck you, Neil. Yeah. Neil Brennan sucks as a comedian. He's a good writer, though. I mean, Chappelle's show is very funny, you know. Mm. And he was good on comedians and cars getting coffee and i i I hear he's getting a lot of acclaim for this but it's just it's just like that other one i don't know if you guys have seen this um nanette the other uh comedy special by this australian or new zealand uh female comedian gadsby is that her last name yeah something yeah 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 yeah. i remember seeing a trailer for it and like the first and like it's a man came up to me with an opinion and this is the setup for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right. It's just like... That the, hasn't been done 10,000 right. times before she's, by other female she's comedians. She's getting a lot of uh, praise for how brave she is being with this uh, comedy routine because she's apparently... The whole thing is that she's like, I'm not going to uh, self-deprecate anymore. So they're like applauding her for not self-deprecating anymore in her comedy act, which is fine. But for me, comedy is like it's first and foremost it's about entertaining people right it's about making you laugh Mm -hmm. so like i like a comedy special that's funny yeah but self-deprecation is like really widespread i mean that's that's yeah a a little too like yeah but that's not what she's she's not saying i'm gonna stop self-deprecating because i'm trying to be original she's saying i'm self to stop self-deprecating because i'm a woman and women get shit on too much and it's this political statement it's a feminist political and that's fine also that's not there's not a problem with saying that but just like it needs to be funny. And I watched, to be fair, I didn't watch this thing. I watched like 20 minutes of it and I turned it off because it wasn't very funny. Mm. And that being said, all that being said, nothing against anybody who likes that stuff. You hate women. No. I, uh, What's wrong with you? I turned on Tom Segura after this 
who is another comedian who I didn't know anything about. I just saw he had a special on Netflix. So I just like, yeah, I just watch this. And oh, I don't, I don't know if you guys have Apple TV. Mm-hmm. On Apple TV on the Netflix app, when you go to a certain thing, it'll just start playing the trailer for it, like in the like above it. Oh yeah, yeah. Netflix yeah. Netflix does that. It's on its on its own. Okay. Well, so uh, anyway, I watched like the trailer for one of the Tom Segura things, and it was it made me chuckle. So I watched it. And I almost died. Like it was, it was very funny. There is nothing serious about it. He's literally just telling jokes, and they are like really edgy. I know that that word, but he they are. They're like they're like he's he's like coming really close to the line. You know what I mean? Uh. (laughs) And it's good. It's fun to watch. Uh, He reminded me a lot of Louis C.K., which is great because Louis C.K. is, as I was talking to Jonathan before the show, he's essentially dead at this point. So. You know, it's good to have somebody else fill the void until he comes out with his sexual assault allegation. But um, Tom Segura, he's got until three... he comes out with until, right. yeah. until Louis C.K. comes out of exile. He's yeah. got uh, he's got three specials on Netflix In right now. Uh, I highly recommend all of them. They're very funny. Okay. So cool. check check them out, Tom Segura. Go ahead and share. Just one oh, quick. Um, I really liked comedians in cars getting coffee. Yeah, my only problem. The new ones. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the and the old ones are all right. Yeah. Yeah. My only problem is like Jerry Seinfeld trying to be this super anti PC guy. I just feel like I feel like I agree with him on some things. Like look at what I was just talking about. I like the idea. Do you hate Jerry Seinfeld today? What is this? No, I love Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. Okay. Well, I I feel like. um, (laughs) What was the first one? You well, you mentioned earlier. Seinfeld earlier. I forget why. Yeah, because th- this this is the same thing. Like he, there's a lot of points on the show where he goes, he's like, "I don't know what I can say anymore," and it's like, "Well, right. Jerry, like, you were like, you never cared before, so like, why do you care so much now?" Well, he's a clean comic, also. He doesn't curse. Yeah, he doesn't, and yeah. and so and like, I just don't see like how like he's trying to be this champion yeah. against you know over political correctness and well like, i mean that's like just uh continue being funny and, uh, he and tim allen should have a show together no 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 not be alive <laughs> it's, it reminds me of uh i mean his his stance on things in the show he because you, you're right he does mention that a lot like mm. how you have to watch what you say now everybody's overly sensitive yeah yeah but it just reminds me of like john denver in the 80s when he when he joined yeah. the twisted sister guy against uh yeah d snyder and yeah. frank zappa because like Right. The PMRC wanted to ban exactly. Rocky Mountain High. So, well, he, I think he was just. I, so it's not like it's not like it's not like he was he was doing anything that was risque. But he's against censorship. You yeah, know? yeah. And I think and I think Seinfeld's probably the same way. It's like it's not like he's doing anything where anybody's going to be yeah, like for Jerry. Sure. Jerry's telling off color jokes, but it's just that he you know is against censorship. He thinks yeah. comedians should be able to joke about whatever they want. Yeah, and that's fine. It just it like just Gervais. Seemed, it, it dude, just, Gervais is the same way, right? So, yeah, yeah. It just seemed to come up so often yeah, in the does. show. Yeah. Well, he does. He does tend to interview a lot of like. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, left of center alt comics, like you know, Pat yeah, Oswalt yeah. and. Uh, and Chappelle's Chappelle, on the new season. Yeah. And Chappelle and Neil Brennan are on the new yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Louis C.K. And yeah. well, he's on the old. Yeah, but. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres, she's risque right, as right. fuck. So you know, uh, totally. I actually liked her episode quite a bit. She was mm. she was funny, but um, yeah, Chappelle anyway. one wasn't all that great. That was horrible. It was okay. It was boring. It was kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's not as bad as Tracy Morgan though. Did you see that episode? I that was pretty bad. Watch the Tracy Morgan episode. It's it's horrible. <laughs> it's not funny. Whose fault is it? Is it it's Seinfeld? Mainly Tracy's fault for not being funny at all. Yeah. And uh, but when he 
like it seems like everything he says about the philo- like they always talk about like the philosophy of comedy you know like anything he has to say about it jerry immediately like tells him he's wrong and like corrects him <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's yeah, pretty yeah. great Awkward and he can't say anything because it's jerry seinfeld you know and he probably worships him you know yeah but uh it's weird it's pretty great that's hmm. that's the best part about it and also i don't know if you noticed this in the more recent season and the netflix season Every time they cut to a sh- like the uh, like a vanity shot of the coffee pouring, it's Lavazza coffee brand. Yeah, I did notice. What that. is that about? I guess they're because in, the, in placement. the yeah in the old one it was just like whatever place they were in, you'd see the people pouring coffee in slow motion. But now it's like these stock photo like stock images of yeah pouring yeah. into this cup and it says Lavazza on it. Yeah, and it's it's pretty pornographic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Got to be honest. Oh yeah. It's very pornographic. I thought the highlights of the season were. Uh, the Dana Carvey episode was very oh, yeah. funny. When he does his impression yeah, of Jimmy Stewart it's as a unbel- waiter. It's unbelievable. Yes. And Paul McCartney talking to John Lennon in heaven about who Kanye West is. Right. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's fantastic. Yes. And then he does like this extended uh, George H.W. Bush monologue at the end about Jerry. And yeah. Jerry's just like losing control. It's it's very, very funny. Yes. And he does a he does he does the last episode has uh, Jerry Lewis yeah. in one of one of his last uh, on screen appearances. Hmm. And uh, it's not terribly interesting, but it did make me like they were analyzing his film, The Bellboy, which I'd never seen, which I saw that you've watched, Jr. Yeah. and didn't care for, I no. guess. No, <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it, though, but uh, I think I'd read this before, maybe. But that when he did his films in the 60s, when he started directing and everything, that he was very well regarded by the French, like the whole new wave crowd, like really thought he was a genius at directing and stuff. Don't know why. No, <laughs> it's just that simple. I don't huh? see it. No, I, uh, it's just like stupid pratfall <laughs> comedy. Just... Are you a big? Uh, it seemed like it had a lot in common with um, Tati, in some ways. Love Tati. Yeah, I'll go. I'll die for Tati. But, I mean, but... his is a lot of slapstick, kind of like yeah. clever slapstick. But like, in it, yeah, I think there's a that word there is important. Clever. <laughs> 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 I, I I see none of that in uh, the Bellboy. Jerry goes on for uh, about five minutes about one shot in the Bellboy where he's walking across a, a large room, and he says, "You change your walk so many times in this scene. It's like you're telling a whole story just with the way you're walking." And he's like really sucking the guy's dick. So I don't I don't know. It, it, it was Maybe, I, yeah. I I'm gonna I'm check just, it out. I downloaded it. So I'm sucking check the right dicks. <laughs> anyway. I've missed you, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Jr. All right, it's uh, Salvador. I watched Salvador. Nice. Um, I watched this before I left, so I of course have forgotten everything about it, except that James Woods is really good. Um, and yeah, Jim Belushi. Like a, Jim Belushi rules in this, right? I was <laughs> a little confused about why <laughs> he was there. Then that character is just really strange. How um. Like, he goes down to Salvador with this guy, Jim Belushi, and Jim Belushi just starts, like, drinking himself to death and yelling, just, like, becomes, like, a, a hobo in Salvador. It's weird. Um, but, yeah, James Wood is really good. It's this, like, opportunistic reporter. Uh, this movie, I, I thought it was, like, all over the place with the plot. You know, James Woods is, like, an asshole reporter, and then all of a sudden... An hour and twenty minutes in, he's he's not an asshole anymore. He's more of a hero type. Uh, felt like all the women are this. All the women in this can't speak. They are this. <laughs> all the women are this. No, they were they were either just like uh, 
was like bitches or or like damsels in distress to be Welcome saved. Welcome to an Oliver Stone movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, it's I don't know, like the the pace of the movie is like so just like choppy. Is this a cocaine movie? Is it is Definitely. this an Oliver oh, Stone yeah. cocaine movie? Okay. It, it felt like it. What what year is this? Eighty five? Or 86. So, I mean, this is three years after he was coked out of his mind writing Scarface. Okay. So, you have to imagine. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, like, generally angry enough to be, like, pretty powerful by the end of it. However, I did not I did not like the end. Mm. I don't... I didn't like the uh, the woman getting taken away by immigration. I don't know why. I just... You don't know kinda, why that happened, felt, or you don't know why uh, you didn't like it? No, I don't, don't, no, I don't really know why I don't like it, oh, except okay. maybe it's just more uh kind of sentimental and sad than the rest of the movie so i just maybe kind of tonally didn't fit but i don't know this movie's tone is all over the place so yeah why does it matter but uh, i enjoyed this generally three and a half loved the uh the multiple camera setup thing that they have like where they're constantly have like three cameras around their necks because they have to shoot at different like lakes i guess or whatever i just thought that was really cool it's like a really like I just feel like a really real thing, you know. It's like yeah, yeah they probably do do that. You know, it's like because they don't want they don't have time to switch out lenses, so they're just carrying three fucking cameras on there yeah. at all times. I'm gonna make a here's like a very general statement. And there's there's no basis in fact, I'm sure. Um, but this is like back when movie stars and Hollywood movies were allowed to sweat, and like there's just everyone <laughs> is so sweaty and disgusting. This whole yeah, movie. Yeah. Right. Well, great. they're probably they're shooting. I'm sure they're shooting on location or around somewhere in South America yeah. or Central America. So, mm. yeah, there are just pits everywhere. That's an interesting. That's actually it's really great. interesting that you say that. I've never thought about that. Like uh, with Mission Impossible Fallout coming up this weekend, and just really jazzed to get in there and have a blast watching this thing. And uh, yeah, I bet I bet I would bet money that Tom Cruise never sweats in that movie. You but might, he's running see, around constantly. <laughs> you, you might see sweat on his face, but you're not going to see pit stains. He's right. not going. He's not going to have swamp ass. He's not going <laughs> to sweat anything. through his like the chest, like right. the chest U thing right here. Yeah, he right, won't right. have that. That's a good point. Interesting. It'd be better if he did. He yeah. could even use the sweat somehow in like a fight. Like have somebody grab his arm, and be like, you know, like slip it out of his. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's using his surroundings and his body yeah. functions. Yeah, I, I think blind somebody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's just like there's no sexiness in sweat. You can have a like a glisten might be sexy, but yeah, full on sweat is not right. And I'm not Mission Impossible movies are not sexy movies, but well, you say that. I remember uh, likes to, he likes to look good in the John McTiernan remake oh, of beats uh, himself up of. Uh, What's the fuck? The movie with the millionaire who steals paintings. The Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, right, right. Did you see the remake with Pierce Brosnan in the 90s? No. There's a very... Uh, now, haven't seen this since I was a kid, but watched it a lot when I was a kid. There's an extended sex scene between Pierce Brosnan and uh, Rene Russo. Sounds, and they get sounds very, good. They get very sweaty. <laughs> and there's like sweat dripping from their noses and stuff. Like, it's pretty fucked up. So, that might have been a little bit... Before the new wave of uh, no no more sweat, and yeah, also guys, there might be there might be sweat in all these Hollywood movies now, and I'm just not noticing. Maybe, maybe it's, it's a your be. problem. Yeah, it it could be a you're, new thing. You're psychologically blocking it out because you don't want to see sweat on Tom Cruise's dick. You know, if any of the listeners have uh, have some feedback about really sweaty movies, I'd be I'd be willing to listen. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. yeah so if uh, Jordan or Rustin could write in about that next time, uh, sweaty movies, <laughs> sweaty people in movies, Jonathan. Uh, watched THX 1138 for the first time. Uh, 
pretty good. I uh, watched the one with the CGI. And, uh, I'm not 100% sure the other one even exists on digital form yet. Like, I don't know. It that was I, on Amazon. Was it on DVD? Yeah, I don't know. It was on streaming on Amazon, the original. Oh, really? Why did you choose to watch this one, then? Because it had a cooler poster. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was the first one that came up, so I, oh. was like, uh, I didn't know there was a difference. Uh, but, yeah, after I watched it, I went back and watched some scenes. And I was like, yeah, glad I watched the CG one. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, when that guy was... Adds more detail. Like we were talking about the other day, like when they when he's at the robot factory, I think all of that CG works really well. And whenever they mind freeze him or whatever, like his eyes roll back in his head, like it apparently doesn't happen in the original. Like oh, really? he just stares. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> A little better when his eyes roll back in his head. But uh, cool. yeah, it was it was pretty good. It was... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. George Lucas, I don't know. Like, he blows. What what the fuck? <laughs> this is like his student thesis or whatever. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. well made, and yeah, it's not like mind blowing or anything. But uh, yeah, it was any interest in continuing on a Lucas filmography kick Absolutely like uh, American Graffiti? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I like American Graffiti. I never saw it. I don't know. Is it good? Yeah, I think so. It's got Harrison Ford in it. Right. Yeah, Richard yeah. I, mean, I might check it out then. Yeah, I remember the, the Ameri- actors make it agreeable. It's not like it's yeah, not a great yeah. movie. Is it anything like, uh, I've always had this in my mind, I've never seen any of it, but I've always had it in my mind that it's a lot like Dazed and Confused. It is. I mean, yeah, like yeah. structurally, yeah. just kind of like the hangout thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like oh, a bunch okay. of high school students just hanging out. They just like ride around in cars and, right. yeah, and yeah. stuff. I could get into that. Yeah. My dad loves it. That's also maybe something that, I mean, I like, my, my dad, like, my dad turned me into a lot of good movies, but he also like, like he, now it's difficult to. Like he has terrible taste now. Like he'll watch like these like straight to video Kirk Cameron Christian movies, you know. Oh God! And like he'll watch Hacksaw Ridge and be like, "Oh, it's pretty good," because it has a Seventh Day Adventist in it, so it's just like automatically a good movie. Yeah. Interesting, because he shares the faith. So Wait, it's just like, is he like your your dad or your family? They're uh, they're the Kirk Cameron Church. No, 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 they're the same church. No, no, no. Kirk Cameron is uh, non denominational, as far as I know. But no, my my dad is a my dad like is it. an Adventist, which means that. They they're just like Christians, but they go to church on Saturday. That's all. So uh, okay. and uh, just they essentially believe a lot of the same things that Jews believe, but like Levitical laws. Yeah. So it's like, uh, but he's really except for the ridiculous ones, right? Like not cutting they, they your beard and, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They cherry pick those those things. But I mean, that's neither here nor there. The point is that he's yeah, he's just into like a lot of like religious stuff now, and it's yeah. just not you know they don't the religious movies aren't good. I mean, <laughs> like not typically. Yeah, not typically. Yeah. Movies that are made—I would say religious movies can be good, but not when they're made by religious people. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. Not when they're made uh, with a religious agenda in mind. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are. I'm sure a lot of directors and writers are religious. It just doesn't. I mean, I guess you have much. to. Do, I guess I you know. have to dissect what you mean when you say when you describe someone as religious. Yeah. yeah. Like Scorsese believes in god but he i wouldn't he's probably like he's probably a lax catholic or something you know what i mean right but he still but he makes these movies that are centered on faith mm. that are very good and interesting like, did your dad like silence he wouldn't watch Silence. he won't watch that it's too long and it's boring oh. i'm bored i'll watch that crap i wonder i was <laughs> wondered if it was gonna be like a oh, fucking papists he won't watch <laughs> no 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 <laughs> Don't do that. He is against the Catholics, but he won't watch. He won't watch. He wouldn't watch *Last Station of Christ* because he doesn't have 
you know, he's that kind of Christian. He doesn't have the open mind to watch something that's going to depict Jesus in any kind of a light that's not mm. super perfect holy man, you know. What about uh, Passion of the Christ? I mean, I'm sure he did see that a long time ago. We, we're, you're getting too deep into it, though. He doesn't care about the, he doesn't care about Bible movies. Like I'm just saying, ah, like, he'll okay. watch. He'll okay. watch. He'll pretty so much. So he's a Hallmark man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll okay. watch anything that <laughs> that his family brings home. So like he'll bring like they brought in the War Room home. God's Prayer is a dead. powerful weapon. Yeah, uh, and he'll he'll watch that movie. He doesn't talk to me about it though. But I'll I, if I if I see it in his uh, on his uh, sitting on top of his microwave. <laughs> I'll go and I'll ask him about it. I'll say, "What? what uh, how was that? How was the war room?" <laughs> He's like, oh, "All right, it was pretty good." He's, he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Like when he when we when I was a kid, he was into cinema, like not as much as we are, but he like he liked movies. He could explain what he liked about them. Now he'll like watch half of something and then go to bed. You know, he doesn't give a uh, fuck about anything. Yeah, everything sucks. I can't imagine this part of my brain just like going away someday. Yeah, I mean, like I said, though, probably will. Don't you don't have to worry about that because it's not like he was ever like you. He was never like me. Like he's not he's not someone who ever would know who the directed something. You know what I mean? And that's internet, that's though. simplistic. I agree. Yeah, so. there's nothing against him. I'm just saying he's not that kind of a you know. Yeah, it's not like he was reading film magazines when he was my age or anything. He just uh, he just used to like good stuff, and now he just doesn't like anything. He hates right. everything, and he likes uh, he likes to watch Gunsmoke. <laughs> Or the Rifleman on West on uh, on Netflix, you know, or or Monk, just Monk reruns over and over and over again. I could get into some because it reminds him of Columbo, and he loves Columbo, oh. you know. No, Monk is garbage. It's terrible, but I can watch it. I cannot watch it. It's <laughs> absolute trash. Allison likes it, right? She likes. Yeah, it. it's. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, moving on, Kevin. Speaking of Columbo, I am kind of excited that Criterion is going to release a Blu-ray of Princess Bride. Um, I'm probably the only one, but... I like that movie a lot. You're yeah, not the too. only one. I'm sure it's going to be a very popular release. Right. It's going to make a lot of money. Well, you know, they, they got to every It's a every huge movie. Yeah. So I watched The Stranger, directed and starring Orson Welles, and also starring Edward G. Robinson. Edward G. Robinson is on the United Nations something or other war crimes committee. So he's basically he's a Nazi hunter mm-hmm. and he goes to this little town in Connecticut to find the guy who is apparently responsible for the Holocaust, like from like the top down, like camps, gas, all that stuff. Apparently was all down to this one guy, Franz Kindler. And that's Orson Welles. And so it's a cat and mouse until he can finally prove that Orson Welles is the most deplorable man in the history of, of the world. And it's funny, like, this movie has, like, a lot of unique and, like, interesting shots, but then it also has, like, very, very, like, okay, this could be any movie from the 50s now. Like there's a point there's a point where like Edward G. Robinson, like at the beginning of the movie, he sets this guy free because he figures he'll lead him to Orson Welles. Sure enough he does. And like they're coming into town on a bus and it's the there's this music playing. You know, like jolly like you know, hey, we're in, you know, Hicksville, Connecticut, and it's like Come on, Orson Welles. <laughs> like, you could have done better than this. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, 
the movie is really interesting in certain parts, and Edward G. Robinson fucking rules. Orson Welles is a little too over the top in in some scenes, but he's not horrible. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of like a extended Twilight Zone episode. So if if it was like I don't know, half hour, forty five minutes, this probably would be like a solid five. But like, it just kind of takes a little too long to get to where they're going. So three and a half. This is a. Uh this is after, um, holy fuck, what's that most famous film ever made? Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is after Citizen Kane, and so, uh, you know, Orson Welles now has, like, a reputation for, you know, going over budget and being, uh, you know, a very demanding director. Right. And so uh, I think this is one of his first movies where it was really taken away from him okay. after he had finished shooting it. Uh, like I'm reading the IMDb trivia like apparently uh, the studio cut half an hour from this movie uh, just like things they thought were unnecessary and I don't know I don't know maybe they did like their own coverage shots after they were like we uh, need some just like basic shots in there right or maybe Orson Welles was just feeling lazy because he didn't like what he was doing I don't know but this uh, this is not I don't think this is one of his most interesting films but it is a. Uh, I don't. I feel like every movie he ever made after Citizen Kane is interesting because of how little control he had. Right. Once it was like finished, because all of his movies were just like cut to to ribbons. Yeah, which is funny because like, I'm sh- was like Citizen Kane was it like recognized at the time for what it was? It was nominated, nominated for a couple of Oscars. Nominated yeah. for Best Picture. Okay, but uh, but, but, but like, no. Okay, I don't like. I don't think anyone was like, oh, this just changed the game. The French right. probably recognized yeah. it. <laughs> and I, The Stranger, according to IMDb, is also his only movie to ever return a profit. Nice. That's, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, money's overrated. Uh, as uh, Billy Walsh once said, fuck commerce. That's, that, that's great except it's an entourage reference movies, uh, <laughs> movies are commerce <laughs> anyway uh, I watched Chappaquiddick which is uh, a movie directed by a good director whose name escapes me god what the fuck sorry John Curran John Curran thank you John Curran directed a movie called Stone also a few years ago, which uh, flew completely under the radar that had uh, Edward Norton and Robert De Niro that good? and Mila Jovovich. It's quite good, as I recall. It's that was a, a, that was a trailer on like a DVD yeah. I watched yeah, recently. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> John Curran tends to be, he's like in this weird space where he makes small, it seems like kind of small movies, small budget movies, but they're not, they don't look cheap. He makes them look good. And uh, he seems to know what he's doing. And he's made quite a few like things that are they're not amazing, but they're they're all right. Like tracks he also made before this, which was uh, the true story of the woman who walked across the outback in Australia in the seventies. Mm-hmm. I forget what her name was, but she was played by Mia Wasikowska in the film. And Adam Driver was the National Geographic photographer who uh, met her, and they like hang, hung out. I don't know, but it was it wasn't bad either. And uh, yeah, I feel like this guy like nobody talks about John Curran, but he's he's not bad. And uh, those two movies are, are good. I, I particularly remember Stone being, like, really good. It's been a while since I've seen it. 
came out in 2010. But Chappaquiddick was good. Uh, Chappaquiddick is the true story of Ted Kennedy, uh, his whole thing where he ran the car off the road and the woman drowned in the water in the 60s. And it kind of fucked his chances up at being uh, president because uh, as the movie sets it up just brilliantly at the beginning through uh, like audio sound bits of the Kennedy assassination and then the RFK assassination, you really get the, the idea that like the entire hopes and dreams of the Kennedy family now rest with Ted. He's the only <laughs> son left. And if they want to get another president, like a full presidential term out of one of them, he's it. And so you can tell he's like, he's on his way. He's very popular. He's, a, he's like, everybody loves him. He's a Senator in Massachusetts. And, uh, he unfortunately has this incident where he drinks too much and he drives this woman off of a bridge and she dies. Uh, she's played by Kate Mara for some reason. Cause she's like in the movie for four seconds. But, um, yeah. And then he and his cousin played by Ed Helms, the, least good most distracting part of the movie because it's like it's yeah. ed helms trying to be serious and you just can't like i can't take him yeah. seriously he's ed helms you know is he he's more distracting than jim gaffigan yes okay jim gaffigan plays very straight and he's and he's he's extremely real because he's so fat now and pale that he he looks very much like he's from 1968 <laughs> like he like i don't believe he's from this time anymore I think he would appreciate that yeah. comment. He's not, and he's not funny at all, and he never tries to be funny. Ed Helms has a couple of like tiny quips here and there, where he's like, he has his little moments where it's like almost awkward humor, like The Office kind of thing, mm. and it just really doesn't fit. And it's it's probably not his fault. It's probably you know Curran saying, "Well, we got Ed Helms, we got to you know." Right. But um, no, but uh, the real the real uh, acting in this movie is carried out by the star, uh, what's his face, Jason. Clark. Clark. Yeah. Jason Clark is great in this as Ted Kennedy. Uh, you might remember him from uh, the second Planet of the Apes film, the recent one. Right, right. And uh, the great Gatsby. He was the mechanic who, spoiler, shoots Gatsby. Uh, he was really good in uh, Mudbound last year. Oh, see, I didn't see Mudbound. Yeah. I didn't even know he was in that either. Because Gar- Garrett Hedlund and the, uh, who is it, uh, Eve or somebody's in it? Some female rappers in it, right? It's... Um, it's not Eve. It's, <laughs> it's Mary J. Blige. Yeah, there you go. Same person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, anyway, back to Chappaquiddick. Uh, Jason Clark is excellent. He looks just like Ted Kennedy at this time, and he, he pulls off the accent brilliantly. Like, it's not cheesy. It's very well done, tasteful. And aside from his great performance as this kind of uh, – he, like, he, he plays him as being very self-centered and – kind of an idiot like a bit of a dullard like he he has a situation and he doesn't know what to do about it so he just kind of ignores it for the first 12 hours and then he finally tries to he goes to the police he just does everything wrong like he handles it completely wrong and finally uh his father bruce stern has to uh played by bruce stern has to step in and kind of like uh give him his team of bob mcnamara and all these other political strategists to help figure and that's where the other great performance of the film comes Clancy Brown, the return of Clancy Brown as Bob McNamara. I mean, fucking this, a. he's amazing. And I he, am here for that. Yeah, you got to watch this. He's great in it as as McNamara. And he's just like very like uh, stern and angry at everything Ted Kennedy says, just screaming at him like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like it's just it's it's really, really good. And it's very interesting to watch how they kind of mishandled the whole crisis. And uh, yeah, it's just a really surprisingly good movie. Um, 
So I highly would recommend you watch Chappaquiddick. You saw this in a theater? I read box. Well, my wife read boxed it as a oh. surprise for me. She read box this and Thoroughbreds. I just add this to my Netflix queue. Cool. And then we were gonna watch. Uh, we were gonna watch Thoroughbreds first because I was more interested in seeing that. But it was two and a half hours long, and this is like an hour forty. So I was Wait, like, what? Oh well. Thoroughbreds. It's two twenty one. Thorough the movie. Yeah. It's not two twenty one. It's two twenty one. No, it's not. <laughs> that that. That little envelope is lying to you. It wasn't the envelope. Good God, this is an hour and 32 minutes. Where My wife looked up the time. She said it was two hours and 21 minutes. God damn it, Nicole. <laughs> we sure, never, was it Seabiscuit? We never even watched it because we, we had the movie so long we didn't know how to return them. God damn it. Wow. Good job. We'll have to re-rent this thing. Anyway, I'll uh, I'll have it out with her about that later. Uh <laughs> Sorry, but, sorry, Nicole. No, nah, it's all good. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, check out Stone and check out Chappaquiddick. Actually, Jr. Don't check out Stone because that that may or may not be coming up as a deep dive. So <laughs> he uh, it's on my list. He made a movie called The Painted Veil in 2006 yeah, that yeah. was quite good. I haven't. That's the only one I haven't seen by him. Actually, is that the one with? Uh, oh, I haven't seen Praise either. It's uh, Edward Norton and right. um, Naomi Watts. Right, and, and he, like far flung Asia. Yeah, he's like a he's a doctor, and he gets sent to I think China, right, for, and, to deal with malaria. Yeah, and they're like marriages on the rocks, but yeah. then like helping people kind of saves their marriage. Well, I won't spoil it. Okay. It's it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's current. That's like that's like right up his current alley, though. Even since this movie, like these are not movies that come out in theaters, really. You know what I mean? And they're like get these really small, like limited releases, and they go straight to video and VOD at this point, but. Mm. He's a really he's an interesting director that way. He reminds me of John Ponsolt, except that Ponsolt got uh, they handed him the circle, which was like a notorious failure. But before that, he did. Yeah, I didn't see it, but he did. He did the uh, which I thought was really good. The end of the tour. The um, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, I I thought it was pretty good. And uh, I want to say he didn't. Did he direct Love and Mercy? Yeah, I think he did. That was a good movie. Yeah, I loved Love and Mercy. So. Yeah, it's just like that's another movie that's kind of in the, in the oh no it was Bill Poland my bad yeah. but um, yeah or like Oren Moverman the guy who wrote Love and Mercy like same thing like he the movies he directs like don't typically come out in wide release but they're these little good little indie movies that nobody talks about like Time Out of Mind and um, I know I know people talked about The Messenger when it came out but it seems kind of forgotten now I mean they're just good good movies small movies anyway I gave Chappaquiddick a four and it's rounded out my top five of the year so far it probably won't be on nice. the, the final list but it is good this year could suck that Who is knows? it does so far so <laughs> jr all right um i watched last year's or i guess this this year's uh foreign language academy award winner uh, fantastic woman directed by sebastian uh lelio lelio yeah we'll go lelio yeah lelio um, sure this is about a transgender woman who uh, is dating this kind of older rich guy, and that older rich guy dies, and she has to like deal with his family and society at large, and she, uh, you know, gets a lot of shit because she's a trans woman, and society does not accept her, nor does that family. Uh, so this uh, is it's like a kind of movie I don't like where. You just kind of throw 
an oppressed person into a situation where you just watch them be oppressed for an hour and a half. Uh, but, you know, it's it's well done. Daniela Vega, the performer performing this trans woman, is a transgender woman herself, and she's really good. Uh, Sebastian Lelio has like these kind of like weird surrealist flourishes throughout the movie that are interesting, though I don't know. Like, they don't fit with the rest of the movie, but, t- you know, by themselves. There's, like, this dance club scene that is really cool. Like, if you just YouTube that video, it's really cool. Done. But, you know, um, it's three three out of five. Would you, uh, were you happy with this winning the Oscar, or were there other things that were nominated that were better? That I don't you even saw? remember okay. what was nominated. Uh, I don't either. But. And it's... I rarely have seen any of the films that are nominated for four. I know The Square was nominated. I know you hated The Square, right? I did hate The Square. Usually they haven't... It is rare that all five movies have been released in America when they are nominated for Oscars. Um, Let's see. Yeah, The Square, not good. Um, Oh, look. I I really want to see Loveless. And that's the only other one I've heard of. There's one from Lebanon and one from Hungary, and we both know we we all know that those countries suck. So yeah, absolutely, it's fine. Yeah. Never made anything good out of those countries. Loveless is from the guy that did. Isn't uh, Waltz with Bashir Lebanese? I don't know. It sucks. <laughs> oh, it sucks. <laughs> it doesn't suck. What country was this movie from? This is from Chile. Oh, okay. Chile. Hmm. It's yeah. the first time a Chilean film has won, I believe. Who yeah. directed Loveless? Loveless is, that the is guy who did Leviathan? It is the guy who did uh, Leviathan. What's his name? It is Andre Russian or something? An, it is yeah, Russian. Zviaginsev. Yeah. Z- okay. Did you see Leviathan? Yeah, I saw it. Really? It was alright. Leviathan's fine. He his first movie, uh, The Return, is is one of my favorite movies. It's great. I've heard mm-hmm. that Leviathan yeah. is really boring. It yeah. is. Yeah. It was it's like long super and super slow and long. Serious. Yeah. yeah. So this isn't the not the Fisherman? not the GoPro Leviathan oh, okay. documentary. No, no, that's no, no. not that's, boring at all. That's, that's fantastic. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a blast to watch, and it's like seventy nine minutes long. So yeah, because I was like, even Jordan like that yeah, would so get like, into that like, shit. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's it. Cool, Oh, I'm out, Kevin. Uh, see, I have been watching the G one climax. It's a round robin tournament. I'm sorry. From <laughs> <laughs> We're on a movie podcast here, Kevin. Well, you talked about comedians and cars. Oh, it's on a movie streaming service. <laughs> do you guys want me to? Do you guys want me to go episode, episode, episode by episode through uh, Big Little Lies? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to actually. <laughs> and Sharp Objects too. Are you watching that yet? <laughs> yeah, that's actually the book I read on my vacation, so I can oh, start. Really? And I fucking hated that book. But I don't hate the show. Well, the show, yeah, I hate the show before I even start watching it. Just Patricia because Clarkson. of Patricia Clarkson's involvement, I hate Patricia Clarkson. But she's that's really here not there. good. She's awful. But she might be good in the show. I don't know. Is she good in the show? She is fine. She's playing She's playing a very hateable character. Of course. So That's because she, she's so good at that because you hate her. She's a cunt. I fucking hate. I'm sorry. I really hate Patricia Dude. Clarkson. Jeez. I'm very. I just don't. Jesus. I don't get the love for this woman, and she's awful. Like she's awful in everything I've ever seen her in. I guess Frances Conroy wasn't available, <laughs> right? She is like they're like mirror images of. You. I don't like Frances Conroy that much either. 
but yeah, she but really. I don't I don't hate her guts as much God, as I hate. What women do you like? Are you kidding me? Scar Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, who doesn't? Y'all y'all hear about her? Oh yeah, she dropped her... out of that trans movie, right? Right. right. Yeah. Why? Cuz they were criticizing the choice of casting her as yeah. a trans person. I it's wonder just, like shame culture is making me sad sometimes. Any of y'all seen Boys Don't Cry? Yeah. No. So was Hillary Swank just a lesbian or was she trans? She was a boy who wanted to, you know, a girl who wanted to be a boy. So yeah, trans, I guess, but pre-op. So, okay. So are they going to like give her like retroactive flack for that? No, they don't. They don't do that. Because if, if they did, if they did that, if they did that, they'd now. be mad at Trans okay. America and uh, Felicity Huffman for playing a trans right, right. man turning into a woman in that one. Yeah, and um, which nobody gives a fuck about because it happened ten be years ago. before twenty thirteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. It began in twenty thirteen. If that were the case, yeah, it's like it's like we were watching. I've been watching uh, old seasons of Project Runway with my uh-huh. wife, and every episode is produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> so it's like. Okay. If that were the case, you'd have to drop all that shit, right? Right, right. Because he's still getting money from those episodes, I'm sure. Like being in being in syndication, being in streaming syndication. Oh man, you know. So it's like, yeah, essentially, Hulu is still paying Harvey Weinstein money, <laughs> but nobody's yeah, gonna nobody's gonna say anything about that. Yeah, he, yeah. That that dude is gonna be fine financially. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. He yeah. could probably stop getting royalties ten years ago and be fine for money for the rest of his life. I mean, the guy's a Probably almost a billionaire. So anyway, what is this G one bullshit you're talking about? <laughs> G1 so climax. it's a uh, yeah. Is it's, it porno? <laughs> no, it's okay. uh, it's the yearly tournament that New Japan Pro Wrestling has every All right, summer. Moving on, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. With you go. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so yeah, two blocks, and the winners of each block will meet in the finals and whoever wins gets to be in the main event at is that like a kingdom is the main event is there any bukkake involved in the main event (laughs) well it's tentacles so is it it real though is it real wrestling no 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 it's pro wrestling wrestling. like so it's not real no well it's 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 a work then who decides who wins that's a great question (laughs) his name is ghetto he he books the shows so he he decides who wins yeah Oh, that's interesting. Is that the way it works in like American wrestling as well? Like yeah. Vince McMahon or whoever's in charge would decide who wins. Yeah. Why, why don't they just make wrestling real? Now let me. No, no just shut they, up. <laughs> it's it's called it's called jujitsu and grappling, and you can watch it pretty much. You can't anytime. do power bombs in jujitsu. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you there power because bombs. there. I think if you did there was, for real, you'd kill people. Right. Well, that's actually, the point. so. <laughs> So there was the there was a match in uh, I can't remember what show it was on, but it was a UFC uh, MMA match where like this guy had like a triangle choke on this guy, and like basically he and like he was trying he was like got the guy up against the cage trying to get him off, and like he had like basically passed out at this point, so he like kind of collapses with the guy still kind of <laughs> up in the air, so he basically does a power bomb on him comes back and then goes in for the kill to win the match so he was out but they didn't know it mm. and so he ended up still winning the match with what's basically a power bomb 
Well, I think the real issue so, is with what Jonathan is talking about is if like as but, if you could actually do pro wrestling for real. Oh would, no! I you, think the problem would be that pro wrestling requires both parties to be doing acting in in sync, exactly, right? Exactly. Like the and, person getting pile drived has to want to be pile drived. I just yeah, don't and, understand <laughs> the point of a tournament. Pile driven. Sorry. If it's not real. It's all about the narratives, man. Yeah, does every, exactly. Yeah, does every movie story. have to be real? It's not a documentary you're watching. You're watching a show. Yeah, it's like no, like, pe- it's, like people... it's like a competitive sport to me. Like it's not. But it's like, not well, yeah, a, because but it's not a competitive sport if you watch it as a show with a narrative yeah, with a story. Yeah, but it, it is still a competitive sport because no, <laughs> <laughs> you just said that it's predetermined by the owner of the place who puts the shows. That, that's what I'm getting at, though. See, if, that's the... if it is. How, how could it ever be a competitive it's about sport? Sucking because dick. <laughs> who could suck dick the best is the question. Yeah. But then there still needs to be a winner that's determined by a third party. That makes no fucking sense. Okay, well, no, let Kevin explain how this makes sense. So, yeah, so, like, okay, so it's like acting, like doing a stunt show. Like, okay. if somebody is, a, like, a real shit actor, like, no one's going to put them in, well, I mean, they will put them in other movies but in this context like if you're really good at making it seem like this was a real knockdown drag out fight if you can physically sell it and emotionally sell it like really get the audience into what you were doing then you are what is a successful pro wrestler and so by in that way they will say like okay we can put a belt on you because we know that the audience is going to love you and what you do so, so it's so not that's why, it's that's not competitive. It's competitive. So it's not a competitive sport. It's competitive in the same way that acting is competitive. Exactly. Right. Yes. Like exactly. if you make a movie and you're good in the movie, the people will hire you to act more. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's not a. But the sport itself is not competitive. Technically. Right. Okay. Yeah. On a on a technical level, yes. It's it all is predetermined. A, it is a work. Yes. See, I always assumed. I always. I didn't know that it was predetermined by this people. I always assumed it was sort of predetermined by the wrestlers involved and more so like in the match you would just kind of feel it out and like whoever you're like i feel like the other guy's winning i'm gonna let him win it depends like like, uh you know like um uh ricky steamboat had a bunch of matches with (laughs) rick flair great name yeah (laughs) well ricky the dragon steamboat nice so steamboat's not enough you gotta have the dragon exactly (laughs) exactly so, like, he had, like, famously had a bunch of matches with Ric Flair that were all, like, 45 minutes or to an hour. And, like, the two of them, like, knew each other so well. Like, they could, like, say if they were having, like, a two out of three, they could call beforehand what was going to happen on those. But then, like, whatever else they just made up while they were in the ring. But there are other guys, like, uh, Randy Savage apparently had, like, we do this, 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 we do this. So more like uh, the backstage scenes in The Wrestler where they're discussing what the match is exactly, going to be beforehand. Exactly. Like, I'm going to go like this and I'm going to do the reach around and all this. Yeah, yeah. Jerk you off a little bit. And then, well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, put my balls in your mouth. Sorry. <laughs> just, I said reach like around he, and like I, my mind went to the gutter. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what would you give G1 uh, Climax out of five? <laughs> Actually, the uh, the ma- like uh, the matches are typically rated out of five, and yeah. like there's already been like, um, I don't know, four, five, five star matches in this tournament, and like it's only like the fifth day. Wow! 
like the it lasts until like mid August because it's a round funny. robin and like so everyone wrestles everyone else, and like it's a great thing because like through all this you can set up storylines that will go on for a long time like the current IWGP heavyweight champion Kenny Omega they got like he has been looking for this thing for like what's at least two and a half three years in the making so like the fact that they've taken that amount of time and dedicated enough effort into this storyline is fantastic Mm. and it's paid dividends because the four matches that he's had with Kazuchika Okada, all of them on a scale of five have been rated six, 6.25, six, and the last one they had was seven. I think someone doesn't understand numbers. So they do six out of fives like we do on the show? Yeah. That's What's, interesting. And you, you said six and a half just now, right? And 6.25. And yeah, seven. And seven. That was a seven. Yeah, there's the the last one they so had. like bonus stars or something? Seven or? out of five. Well, like, it's literally that good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Is there no limit? It's going to do 100, uh, out of, 100 out of 5? Because no. ours, ours is 6 out of 5 is the limit. You can't go above 6. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, 6. I mean. 6.66. That's the top. 6.66. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Mm. We love the devil here. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you, on DirecTV uh, Now, which is the streaming DirecTV <clears throat> that I pay for, mm-hmm. um, they they ha- they put this New Japan Wrestling on uh, quite often on one of the channels. I can't remember what channel it is. Access. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, AXS, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, so, yeah, that's cool. Do you have that? No, uh, my brother does, okay. but uh, he also subscribes to New Japan World, so we we stream it. Okay, cool. Well, that's really great, and that wasted a lot of time on our film podcast, Kevin. So I want you to congratulate yourself. I want you to feel really good about that, okay? So uh, what TV show are you about to talk about? I'm not. I'm about to talk about another <laughs> film I watched. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's totally fine. Talk about whatever you want. I talk, I'm going to talk about a, a show in a minute, though. Uh, but right now, uh, I'll, right now I'll talk about I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which is the directorial debut of Macon Blair, who you may remember from uh, The Florida Project as the tourist who gets robbed. He's also the lead in oh, yeah. Blue Ruin, and he's in. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's one of the neo Nazis in Green Room. Uh, so he directed this movie for Netflix called "I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore," which stars uh, a female actress whose name I don't know, uh, who is kind of a misanthropic uh, character, just like sick of everybody, hates the world. You see a, a series of scenes with her just getting really pissed off at people who treat who are kind of dumping all over, like people skipping her in the in the grocery line. She's like looks out the window of her car, and there's like a gigantic truck, like just blowing black smoke into is the air. Is this Melanie Lin- Linsky? Sure, I don't know. I don't know what her name is. is. Okay. I think it is. Uh, I looked it up when okay. you, when you logged it. Yeah, uh, Elijah Woods also in it as her neighbor, uh, who's like a religious fanatic who's into. He's like kind of like a Napoleon Dynamite esque kind of thing. He's like he's really into like ninja weaponry and stuff, and he listens to metal. I don't know, kind of a goofy, uh, quirky character. Elijah Wood playing a goofy. I know, right? Never would have thought. But uh, he, uh, she ends up getting robbed. Her house gets robbed, and the police aren't really doing much about it. And she lost her computer and her grandmother's uh, silverware. So she goes about finding where the things are herself, and she ends up running afoul of this gang of thieves. Who? It's complicated, but they end up roping her into helping them rob someplace, and there's. 
kind of like a, a robbery scene a la Out of Sight, if you guys have seen Out of Sight, the end of that where uh, Don Cheadle and his group rob the big house and yeah. uh, everybody ends up getting their brains blown out. <laughs> uh, it's like that. Uh, and it's that. It's more. I say it's more graphically violent, but there's a lot of CG blood and it's pretty brutal. Um, overall, I'd say it was okay. Wasn't that great? It was all right. I mean, you know, it's, it's an easy watch. It was really short, mm-hmm. and uh, it reminded me a lot of, especially the beginning, reminded me a lot of Bob Quack Goldthwaite's movie, uh, God Bless America. Have you guys seen this movie? Yeah, where uh, I don't know if you remember at the beginning, the baby is making him mad, so he, he has this <laughs> fantasy of shooting the baby with a shotgun and like blood just spraying all over that. the mother. Yeah, <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> you got to see this scene. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> But it reminded me a lot of that. Like I thought it was going to be more of I thought it was going to be more like she gets so pissed off that she ends up teaming up with Elijah Wood to kill people, mm-hmm. which would have been just like God Bless America. So maybe maybe it was good that it didn't go that direction. But you know, it's competently directed. Macon Blair has a little cameo in it where he ruins the end of some Game of Thrones esque book that she's reading. Just like tells her the end of it. <laughs> it's just like really, <laughs> she just gets really pissed off. But yeah on netflix i give it a three chair i watched uh steven uh, soderbergh's latest movie Unsane. i just uh when i returned the, the chappaquiddick and thoroughbreds i rented this so cool. gonna be watching it tonight it's good uh claire foy is put into a mental institution kind of against her will like she's tricked into signing a paper that puts her in there and uh, the setup, this scenario is uh, really like intensely frightening to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't know that I, I found it frightening, and then like <laughs> it was happening, and I was getting really stressed out uh, because it's a scary situation. Yeah, they're like <laughs> they trigger in a science paper, and she tries to like she she went to see a, just a therapist, and uh, she's like trying to like check out basically and leave, and they're like. Oh, we need you to like just uh, hold on for one second. We're like getting the paperwork straight, and so you just like know, like, oh my gosh, she's just gonna sit there and she's just gonna like let this happen, and then someone's like, oh hey, I need you to come back uh, to this room with me, like like a, a hospital attendant. She's like, why? I'm supposed to leave, and she just does it anyway, um, oh. you know, because it doesn't occur to her that you know something bad is about to happen, right? Uh, and it's just, yeah, it was very frightening. Um, it sounds a lot. It sounds a lot like the like speaking of the changeling earlier, like that the whole kind of uh, almost like the storyline in that where they commit her without yeah. uh, without cause, except for the whole you know obviously that's like a time issue, like it's in the twenties, so women are right. not citizens. You know, you can do whatever you want to them. But and this, uh, like she, the paper she signs commits her for twenty four hours, so that in itself is not like crazy. But then there's just other. Uh, there's there's other weird plot stuff that happens once she gets in there um kind of related to why she went to therapy in the first place not all of the plot stuff worked for me some of it was kind of dumb jay farrow was in this movie as like a serious character and that that didn't really work i don't know i don't don't think i'm a jay farrow fan he's uh, a weird case He's doing the because uh, you know the Safdie brothers are doing the new Beverly Hills, not Beverly Hills Cop, Forty Eight Hours with him. Yeah, 
that's bizarre to me. And I didn't yikes. I didn't hear anything about his Showtime show. I didn't uh, know he had a Showtime show. What's it <laughs> called? What's it called? Jay Farrow had a show. See, I don't Yeah. Uh it was like a Jamie Foxx related show too. I think he produced it. Hmm. Uh but the Joshua Leonard from the Blair Witch Project is also in this. He's good. And Juno Temple I like has Juno a Temple. Very odd part oh. with some very odd hair. <laughs> but uh overall Claire Claire Foy is great. I I think this is the first time I've ever seen her. I haven't, I haven't seen the uh the crown yet. Uh, yeah, I'll never watch the crown. No. <laughs> Are you excited about at all about the the Dragon Tattoo movie that's coming out with her? Not the, at all. No. 0%. I Did mean, you uh, see the trailer? Yeah. And okay. I, I might go watch it. I don't know. Yeah. But that's I don't I don't like that series. I don't either. But you didn't like the Fincher film? No. I I, I rewatched it recently and and did a 180 on it. Like I really hated it the first time I saw it, and rewatching it, I, I liked it quite a bit. Just on the just on an aesthetic level, I find it really enjoyable to look at because it's just really well shot and very clean and bleak, and you know, I don't know, it's good. But um, yeah, his show is called White Famous, and it started in October of last year and ended in December of last year, so didn't, <laughs> didn't last very long. Ten episodes. All right, that's uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think. I'll go three, three point seven five out of five. This is a, it's like not quite a four, and I don't, I did not love, kind of the aesthetic that Soderbergh made with the, the, uh, iPhone, the iPhone. Yeah, not it doesn't look like he shot on a shitty iPhone. It's better it, than Tangerine, right? Yes, yeah. it is. But I just, uh, yeah, it was it was really ugly, and it, it, is it, a, it was supposed to be because they're in a mental institution. Yeah, right. It's right. a weird, like it's it. a weird. Uh, like I like Soderbergh a lot. I have a lot of respect for him, just from the point of view of like what he like the fact that he chooses chooses to make a movie like this at this point in his career, and how he never kind of. I mean, he got into the whole. He did the Hollywood thing. He seems like he's done with it now, and he's doing this kind of stuff. But it's just like so. Yeah, some of his choices with experimentation are really weird. Like the fact that he shot on an iPhone. It seemed like it would have been cool had Tangerine not come out, and like everybody was talking about Tangerine and how it was shot on an iPhone and so amazing, and it's like. It seems a little old now. It's like it's been done. Like do something. I don't know. Do something yeah. else. Like, you know. Shoot and, on a Google Pixel. Yeah, exactly. Shoot on a Windows. Shoot on a Razor. We always talk about shooting a, a short film on a on a Motorola <laughs> Razor, right, like right, a 2005 right. Razor, because it's just like super pixelated. It's like shit, you know. Yeah. So. Don't know where. You, don't know where you would find a Razor. They all broke, and, you know, immediately. <laughs> he lost his at school. Yeah. yeah, he used to have one. So Jonathan said. Um, anyway, well, uh, Kevin, you have anything else? No, I'm excited about the Venture Brothers. It's the seventh season is coming out in August, so more TV. I well, uh, I'll, I'll just say real quick that I watched the first episode of Who Is America, Sasha Baron Cohen's mm-hmm. Showtime show that came on last week. Uh, that was not advertised at all, which is like the like I don't know what you would be thinking. Like we're gonna have a new Sasha Baron Cohen show. Let's not advertise it, you know, because that might ruin his chances of tricking people, which I get. But at it's the same time, everywhere now. now nobody watches it. Well, like the terrible ratings the first episode. Oh, really? oh. Nobody watched it. So uh, I watched it. It's on Hulu. If you have the Showtime app on Hulu. Anyway, it's uh, and it's unfortunate nobody watched it because it's really like it's not great. It's not super funny, but like it's it's doing satire very well. Like it gets he just what he does really well. He's doing it a lot in the show, which is getting essentially getting conservative Americans to say th- what their true beliefs are on camera unabashedly and 
that sounding absolutely horrible, you know? So he gets a lot of like uh, Republican congressmen to uh, say that they want third graders, not guns third graders, sorry, not third graders, three-year-olds to have guns in schools because he's like, we should arm uh, children, arm you know? four-year-olds. Yeah. So he's like, uh, he, he wants them to like support a program to train three-year-olds to handle <laughs> firearms. <laughs> and... Uh, he, he at one point he said he's playing an Israeli character and at one point he says uh like offhandedly that uh he he likes to force his wife to have sex with him he says it's not rape if it's your wife and the this this republican sitting one is like oh hell yeah and they high five on it so it's like really it's just some fucked up shit <laughs> that he gets these people to kind of agree with and uh it's just really yeah. interesting in that way but uh and there are there are parts of it that are they're amusing there's some parts kind of miss the mark a little bit like he does this whole sketch where he plays a an ex-prison inmate who uh, started doing art in prison by painting with his feces and his sperm. And so hmm. he brings it to an art gallery and he sits down with this very serious kind of, uh, you know, gallery owner or gallery, whatever person who curates. And she's like into it. She's like, Oh, this is crazy. This is so beautiful. You're taking this disgusting thing and you're making something beautiful out of it. And then he goes to the bathroom and like, you know, he makes art for her. He draws a portrait of her with his shit and his cum. And it's just, it's awkward and it's kind of funny, but it's like, that, that's oh, like, fuck. that's like less poignant than the other stuff, Jesus. I guess. But I don't know. It's all right. I'll, I'll Gross. continue watching it. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, we're not enough of this TV horse shit. Okay. Cause I could talk about MTV's the challenge all day. It's been on for two episodes oh, now. God. Bananas is partnered with Tony. I, I, fuck Tony. I don't even get it. <laughs> Carmaria is all over the place. Uh, anyway, she's really she's as the kids say, very thirsty this season. And uh, <laughs> I can't say anything. I've been watching uh, di- in, uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives like constantly. Guy Fieri. <laughs> yeah. I can't stop watching this shit. At least you're not watching his guy's grocery games. That's the worst. Uh, man. That's too much of him. Yeah, like, this is like yeah. yeah. I just want to see the glory, trash, the, but... gl- the, the the shots of the food. Yeah. And like them double frying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's out of bounds. Anyway, <laughs> one one way ticket to Flavortown on that one. Uh, moving on to our deep dive for this week. Uh, JR's pick, his favorite film of all time, Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love from the year 2000. I really wish I hadn't told you guys that. Well, it's on your it's it's the first film on your uh, letterbox profile, yeah. so we just assume. When you uh, called me, yeah, on the podcast, it's great idea great i'm sure they got great ratings i thought you were a little pissed off about it honestly you sounded a little no. you sounded a little standoff you're like okay listen i gotta go let me just well, tell you what it is leave me the fuck alone I was pull, I was <laughs> i'm pulling. in maine now i'm better than you <laughs> <laughs> I, I was pulling up to a state park where i was gonna have to talk to a person to pay them oh uh, i see um, i see i got you you know uh, I was, yeah, so that's yeah. why you were being short Fancy, yeah and, <laughs> uh, and like Northern you know stuff. and sarah's just like looking at me like you gotta, you're doing a podcast call now like, <laughs> <laughs> um I had, uh, I know I forgot to text you. I I did a lot of thinking about my pick Mm. and uh, forgot to text you. And after I forgot to text you, I forgot about all of the things I decided, uh, which is why I I really had to throw out a movie. Right. Hold on to that pick. No, I don't remember what it was. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't remember any of the things I thought. Wow. Um, It's not like I was doing my thinking drunk or anything. I was just like, I just didn't make any notes and it all went out of my brain um iphone notes man you gotta get on it so that's why that's why we're that's why i'm about to sit and listen to you guys 
trash a movie I love. I think you're I think you're you're rushing to judgment a little bit. And honestly, when you we'll, we'll, well get in, we'll you, get into it. But you guys have done two maybe I think two Asian movies. Yeah, and they did not go well. I don't agree well, with that. Well, which were I don't agree. The Kurosawa film went very well, oh, except for I don't. I didn't like it. Oh, the other time you just watched the wrong movie. So I hope that's you, correct. Hope you watched. I did watch the oh, wrong. I, was, I, I was watched the wrong about, Uzo uh, film. I was thinking about the. Oh, that's right. Well, what's you the, guys uh, watched what's the uh, third one? You then? guys watched an anime movie. Oh, oh, that yeah, that's trash. Princess Mononoke. Okay, that <laughs> movie sucks dick. Mm. Uh, but that's again, that's just me. Everybody else was kind of okay with those movies. Okay. So yeah, we'll, see. we'll see. Yeah, but Ma- listen, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Mononoke went down a little bit for me, but I still liked it. Right. So and Jordan's just a fanboy, so he just likes anything yeah. that this piece of shit old man does in Japan. But listen, uh, <laughs> go ahead and tell us a little bit yeah. about your uh, your reasons for picking this, and maybe what it's about. A quick synopsis. Okay. So, um, Carwon. Carwon, why? <laughs> you <laughs> fucked <laughs> me up. You <laughs> fucked me up. Yes. <laughs> All right, Wong Carwai. Um, he is, or I guess he was, one of the most popular uh, Chinese, or specifically Hong Kong directors, working in the '90s and 2000s. After um, after this movie and his next movie, he really slowed down production. He's only made two, three movies since 2000, um, but he uh, he just got really uh, acclaimed and popular through through like these movies about uh, young people, for the most part, in Hong Kong dealing with uh romance or usually like a, a lack of romance there's a lot of like missed connections a lot of like fleeting moments that are never uh seen again kind of things and uh this was kind of like the apex of what he was doing with that uh this is his fifth or sixth movie that he did with the same cinematographer christopher doyle and together they kind of created this very like colorful kinetic aesthetic and in this this movie uh, that kind of kinetic style gets slowed down. Uh, not a lot of camera movement here, but uh, so this is about famous actors. Or Tony Leung and Maggie Chung are very famous in China. They were famous here for a while, but they play uh, two like people probably mid thirties that move into the same like apartment or like boarding house type situation on the same day, right next to each other, and uh, they eventually discover that their respective spouses are having an affair and then they spend the rest of the film kind of dealing with their feelings about their spouses and kind of falling in love with each other and not uh not ever acting on it so yeah 90 minutes nothing nothing happened (laughs) (laughs) these people just kind of develop a relationship and they don't know where to go with it and they're like we're not going to be like our spouses, except that they clearly want to be like their spouses. Of course. Um, Have you seen this actress? And <laughs> she, yeah, Maggie Chung <laughs> is gorgeous. And I am like, I get a hard on for Tony Long also. Uh, <laughs> he, I, he's like an attractive Chinese, uh, like Humphrey Bogart to me. He just like has this very classic movie star face. He just looks, he just looks like a goddamn badass all the time. <laughs> Even when he's mopey and sad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't... These people, yeah. These two people just, like, need to fuck now all the time. <laughs> uh, we but, need their children. I sure. I love this movie so much. And, uh, I'll just... I'll let you guys take over in a second. But one of the things I love about this is that uh, everything that happens with the relationships in the movie is uh, given to you indirectly. There is, like... 
there's no explanation of anything. No, there are like two direct conversations in this whole movie. Otherwise, people are talking around their feelings. Uh, like the way they find out about the affair, they're speaking indirectly about other things when they just kind of come to the realization that they they both have suspicions. But uh, it's it is just wild how how this is written and actually how it wasn't written because apparently Wong Kar Wai doesn't really write his movies. They it's it's like the closest to like film improv that that I can think of. Like he has an outline they go to a location with actors and they just kind of work through what they're going to talk about or what they're going to film. Hmm. It's uh, It sounds like a mess and it, it makes his movies take forever to film. This took 15 months. Um, Jesus. Hmm. But yeah, I just, I love, I love the lack of exposition. I love the, uh, the amount of emotion present in this movie, even though no one will talk about their emotions. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's thoughts. Great. Let's hear them. Yeah. Take it. Take Ray's it away. Scared to start, Kevin. <laughs> I really liked this movie. Like, Woo! like pretty much for all the reasons that you just listed. I was like, this is fantastic. It and it moves like really seamlessly. Like, there's no like heavy transition. Like, this is what's happening now. It's just scene to scene to scene to scene, and. I like the fact that you never actually see the spouses. Like, even when, like, you know, they're actually talking to them, they're off screen, and, um, yeah. This is a really good movie. Like, I got this on my last Criterion run, and... So you blind bought this thing? I blind bought it. Wow. And so it was worth like it. it. <laughs> I, uh... Must like it. I just, real quick before we before I get into it, like, I found the apartment really confusing geographically like where like they live in this uh, space and it seemed like the hallway was inside of their apartment so like i don't understand like they live in a room yeah they inside of that woman's apartment right it's it's actually two different women the uh there are two different like middle-aged women that live See, next to each that. other i only got the one woman yeah the so they're, they're in they each live in a room Right in some other woman's apartment. Yeah, some it was just weird because there would be like these shots that looked like they were like coming up from stairs into a hallway, and then so, like a woman would come around the corner and they're like, "Oh, we're inside of our apartment." That's, I don't know. I was really confused as to like where the doors were. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, because uh, I mean, it, well, it and that, that goes into the whole like. I'll say that like speaking of Christopher Doyle, like. The movie's beautiful. Like it's very, very well shot. Yeah. Very good looking movie. Very mm-hmm. colorful and uh uh rich colors and you know, just really really nice looking film. But um speaking to to Car Wise direction, uh like especially in the first third, maybe two thirds of the movie, just like s- extremely claustrophobic. Like everything's close up everything's like on a on a like part of a like hanging on a wall looking at a face and like i'm just like what am i like where where am i right now there's in relation to the room you know what i mean there's something like obscuring the camera in some way in almost every shot in the first half of this movie whether it's a doorway or hallway or like he just puts a lot of shit in front of the camera yeah, and he shoots like through windows and, mm-hmm. and uh, against a mirror or whatever. Yeah, it's just uh, I, you know, which I, I don't I don't know how have a problem with. It's just an observation. It was just like very noticeable that he was doing yeah. that, you know. And I'm not sure what it mean. 
means necessarily. I mean, I'm sure you could like infer some kind of meaning about their loneliness or something from it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also like very, very much a like Chinese thing because like there's so many people there. They're all kind of crammed into these spaces. That's yeah. That's a good point. So a little bit about what I I read is that um, this is right after the handover to uh, no, sorry. It's not, that's a different thing. But this is when Hong Kong is like blowing up and there are people from all over the mainland and other countries moving to Hong Kong. So it's very crowded. So mm. these these people, like the people that live in these other people's rooms have like good jobs. They should be able to afford their own place. But I just, I don't think there's space in, yeah. the, in the city. Right. It'd make a good double bill with rush hour because the whole handing of Hong Kong back to China from Britain. It's a central central part of the rush hour. Uh, Jonathan, uh, your thoughts on this? Um, it was pretty good. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you guys said. I think it's a, like for me, it's it's more visual. It it looks pretty, and it is. I mean, it is pretty, and uh, the shots are pretty great. And uh, but like the relationship stuff, I'm, I'm I, I just did. I wasn't feeling that at all. Um, just fuck, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't. I, I just don't get it. Like, it's like maybe it's a Chinese thing, but it's it, like it's definitely I, like a, a polite society thing. Extremely polite. Well, I think the time period has to do a lot to do with it too. Yeah, I mean, it's it in the sixties, so it's yeah. like yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't just immediately and... be like, oh, well, they they fucked. Let's you know, <laughs> it's not like they're like they're Americans in the in the American did... South in two thousand eighteen, which <laughs> you know where if this happened, you would just go fuck the other person, and then you go fuck a hooker, and you buy some coke and you know or meth or whatever. But it's like in this society, they're wearing the guy wears a suit to work, and he he's yeah. always in a suit. She's always. Just dressed the nines and just so fucking hot. And uh, yeah. those like, like, who knew? Like, you, you put that little neck thing on a dress. I'm yeah. like really into it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I agree it's with you to a, a certain show. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that sentiment of like, yeah, it's, it's frustrating because you just want them to fuck and like get it over with or like be in love and because I was waiting for. It. I was serious. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like when's the scene? I, I don't know. Like, I because it seems well, yeah. like looking forward to it. I'm just saying, like it's it's like this tension thing. I read a lot. I read a review on Letterboxd yeah. that said it was like that. Somebody somebody said that it was uh, like that. Told them to watch it. Said it was one of the great romantic films. And it's like I could see where you would say that from like a standpoint of like Mark Hamill is the best Joker. You know, it's it's like this. It's like it's this. Like uh, devoid of romance. yeah. It's they're, they're like really it, the, the romance in it is not. All, it's, it's not real romance. It's, it's like platonic romance. It's, it's romantic longing. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of yeah yeah longing Un- unrequited for love. If yeah. it was romantic, you would think. You know, you immediately jump to well, then they would fall in love and be in love, and they would somehow end up together in the end, like a Hollywood ending kind of thing. But yeah, you know, absolutely, that would be less interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I totally. And I think it really works works in the favor for this movie because, like, I think they both come to the realization that it's like, yeah, our spouses are having an affair, and that could pretty much throw us together. But is that really what we're looking for? And yeah. like maybe it is, maybe it isn't. They don't really know. Yeah, I, and then I, as as time goes on, they're like, yeah, it just doesn't feel yeah. like we should really be doing this. I, I'm glad the film is the way it is, though, because you get the killer ending. Like I, I mm. love the ending when he like whispers into the the hole or whatever, and then that, yeah. that rules. Okay, uh, I, 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 was I, a, I have a super huge problem with that. Really? Yeah. I, w- I was about to. Uh, one of the things I was going to talk about was. Um, I didn't know how I would feel about the ending on this watch because that 
it, it breaks so much with what we've seen and just on paper it feels like uh the only instance of like movie bullshit Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, you know, they talk a little bit of whimsy there. At the yeah, end. and yeah. They, you know, they had that a conversation lot. earlier in the film, <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah. twenty minutes previous. Like the the weirdo, the weirdo inappropriate friend, like talks yeah. about like what you used to do with secrets. You go, yeah, you know, you go to the top of a mountain, dig a hollow in a tree, like tell your secret into a tree, and then like he basically does that, and that's, I I could see why. Jonathan's about to tell me he has a problem with that. Although <laughs> I think on a just like an, on an emotional level, after ninety minutes of all of that longing, of all of just they can't make it work out, um, it just works. Honestly, okay, well, it, it, hold on. And I'm sorry, also, like talking about claustrophobia. Like, no, you hold on. Like, I'm just no, seriously, the whole fucking movie, you feel yeah. like you're in a fucking cave, and then it cuts to the end, and it shows the palm tree, the open sky. And it just, uh, yeah, it's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Like you're like, finally, we're out of that fucking shithole. Free. <laughs> well, I, the, I guess, I guess the problem that I have with it is not the thematic consequences or, or the aesthetic or anything like that. It's, it's, it's more petty than that. It's uh, the fact that <laughs> what they talk about doing him and his weirdo friend is not what he does. He does. Yeah. It's not. It's a like tree. You, t- you talked about going to the top of a mountain and whispering into a, into a hole in a tree. Sounds really cool. And then he, at the end, he goes to some random like ruins and does it into a wall. It's like, what is he doing? We didn't talk about this. He finds a hole in the wall. I know. It, it's just, it, it just feel, it felt like I was like, why? Like this makes no sense because it's like he told you a very specific story. Go do that thing. Like there's not a mountain somewhere nearby. I mean, come on, give me a fucking break. Well, also <laughs> like at the end, like he's in Cambodia in like the late '60s, yeah. so he probably shouldn't go into the trees. He could go into the trees and just get wiped out by uh, Charlie. You know, probably exactly. Needs to go to America or go back to Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, Japan, anywhere. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, well, I guess I haven't said what I feel about this movie. <laughs> I uh, I'm very like uh, middle of the road on this movie. Like I didn't love it, uh, but I hate it either. It's just, uh, I liked it aesthetically. I thought it was very good looking. I love the slow motion stuff in it rules, especially when all the sound cuts out and it's just that music with the slow motion shots. Really nice. I loved all the noodle sequences when they were going to get noodles. I like that. I wish they would have shown more of that. Like just the procedural aspect of getting noodles in an alley, how that works. Like you bring your, your metal container down there and they fill it with noodles. It's really fucking cool. Uh, You know, I could have done with a lot more of that kind of stuff, but I know that that's not, you know, it's gotta be one of the most subtle movies I've ever seen. Mm. I don't know. It's just like, that's fair. It's not doing much. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's not like an overly ambitious at all film. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it, visually, it's very beautiful and and, and probably we could call it ambitious visually. But yeah. um, the the whole music and noodles thing is probably like the easiest. I, I would say it's probably what made me like the movie the first time. Mm-hmm. Just like the beautiful music with the beautiful shots, um, and that's probably it's like most lasting. Like what Wood's known for, I think that uh, that one musical piece played over and over again with the Nat King Cole song. Yeah, yeah. What well, he's speaking Spanish in the song, but it's apparently Nat King no, Cole. No, like no. The, I'm talking uh, about the the, the Umeji's theme the pluck, one, like the plucking. Oh well, that yeah. okay. Because they played the Nat King Cole song like six times in the movie. Yeah, yeah. they yeah <laughs> they <did. laughs> they, they like played the violin thing like fourteen okay. times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Now um, I think about the Nat King Cole thing twenty five times. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's uh, man, I fucking I fucking love that slow mo shit. 
Yeah, the but slow-mo the, stuff is really it's really nice. This this movie's slow-mo is different than uh his previous film, Slow Most. Have you guys seen Chunking Express? No, I downloaded that. I haven't watched I haven't it. Seen it. That's a. Uh, I think it's probably Walker Weiss. Like, it's still considered like his biggest film, his most influential film, where he really like got down his aesthetic with Christopher Doyle. And the slow mo there is more like it's like this weird, like, f- fluttery, it, blurry it pop, thing. Is it post production slow mo? No. No. Okay. Christopher Doyle is like huge into in camera. Like while shooting, okay, d- doing stuff, um, yeah. and I don't know how he does that, but he's crazy. Well, I mean the, um, yeah, I, I downloaded Chunking Express thinking I would watch it for this episode, but I just never got around to it. But uh, I know that Tarantino's a big fan. It was on his Rolling Thunder label in the '90s that he released some films on, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested in watching it. I know that I've heard a lot of bad or maybe mixed things, mostly bad things about 2046, which is Wong uh, Kar Wai's really good film after after this, or maybe yeah, a it, couple of films after this. I don't know. You know, Tony Long plays a guy with the same name. He's a writer. Yeah, it's supposed to be like um, part of an informal trilogy, as I read. Yeah, that that that's uh, it's like one of those like now that he's yeah. done all the movies, right. they're like a bullshit uh, trilogy like the Edgar, thing, like the Edgar Wright thing. With, yeah, uh, yeah. Like they're Tony Long and Maggie Chung are in a movie together of his like his second movie, Days of Being Wild. Um and like at the end of that movie you don't really know what happens to Tony Long because they were going to make a sequel right after and I I think Wong Kar Wai is just like a like nothing holds his attention longer than like the span of when he's making it. So he just kinda dropped it. And like twenty forty six, like it has nothing to do with with this movie. There's a guy with the same name <laughs> And there's romance, but it's it's a very different thing. It's kind of like a it's sort of a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, something you brought up earlier: performance, mm-hmm. the performances. So it, it yeah, it's like definitely weird. You don't know, you don't know this language. You don't know how they're supposed to talk. Uh, I think what we have, and I think what works is just like body language, like the way. Maggie Chung stands and walks in these dresses the way they look at each other or pointedly don't look at each other. Like there's one scene where um, we're like seeing their faces through a mirror and you can see Tony Long like steal a glance at Maggie Chung, but you don't like they, they don't ever make eye contact or anything in that scene. And that's like, that just like that face he made just like, Oh man, my heart broke, you know? <laughs> So the the performances I I love here are mostly for just like the looks they give. Mm. I, I think those that. looks are hard. I think I just mm. feel like, yeah, just the barrier of the language makes everything seem really rigid because they're just in monotone because it's like and I mean again that's just probably cultural it's probably just you know how you speak in that language but they're like you know if if this were an American film you know <laughs> not not that you know, whatever. But if it were, if it were in English, okay, uh, the actors would definitely be more overtly emotional, probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is like, I guess, you know, that's just a problem with the American viewer being me. Like, just having this, you know, pre- preconception of what what an actor should be doing in this scene, you know. You should you should be emotional because you're, you know, you're in love with this woman and you can't get with her, you know. But he's he's playing it in a very subdued, like John said, a very subtle way. You know, and so often until they have that uh, hotel room where they write, they're talking around other people. 
right where they are not like they mentioned this like they're not allowed to like become friends mm-hmm. you know the uh one of the one of the apartment owners even like talks to maggie chung like you know you've been out too much <laughs> like uh <laughs> you know looking being the social doesn't look good for for a wife even though her husband is of course you know out there fucking somebody yeah uh he doesn't get a talking to but well so he's like, not he's not at home <laughs> yeah yeah he's in japan uh, fucking yeah. fucking geishas and, so, and, yeah. and and of course the Pick, wife of the other guy picking up, <laughs> picking up fancy handbags yeah. so I, I do think a lot of that like rigidness is like we're not allowed to reveal that we're like anything more than polite to each other but that kind of breaks down in that really weird scene where uh, Maggie Chung starts asking if he has a mistress. Mm-hmm. And you can see some emotion there, or I thought. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I guess when I say that they don't, I mean, I'm not saying they don't show emotion. They're just not demonstrative about it. Like, they're not, you know, they never raise their voices at all, and you know. Or, uh, the There's a scene where I kind of felt like this is where Maggie Chung really knows what's going on before they talk about the affair where she goes to the apartment and knocks on the door and speaks to Tony Lung's wife mm-hmm. about um, like how she wanted to chat and she thought she heard voices. She's like basically trying to ask around, uh, is my husband in here with you? And you see just her face like has this almost like just subtle like shake, like quiver. And like she, can, you can tell she can like barely get through the polite questions yeah. she has for this woman yeah, yeah. and just like it to me it, it was like a um as far as like this movie goes it's like this is where she's like about to just like fucking fall apart even though she's barely showing like a little quiver in her voice mm. it's uh yeah so it's not demonstrative but it, i uh I, re- I read it as such <laughs> just because this movie is so subtle yeah, yeah. it's extremely subtle and like i think like i don't know that i've necessarily seen more like Asian films than anybody else here but like I feel like at this point I just have it understood that these cultures are very deferential and very polite and especially to the like to sacrifice outward displays of emotion so like that never was a problem for me watching the movie like seeing how polite or like trying to be polite that they were. So. Word, the blue typewriter. Just real quick, this the the typewriter she types on <laughs> yeah. is amazing. <laughs> also, it was it's so thin. The boss, her boss, is having an affair, right? Definitely. Okay, yeah. Everybody's having an affair. Apparently, except, except these two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess a couple, a couple questions that we probably can't answer, but I'm curious about, um the whole time when they're locked in that room together because the people come home to play Mahjong. Yeah. Maggie Chung doesn't have to pee. Ever. <laughs> they're in there all all Maybe they have night a, and day. they pee into the thing they put the noodles in. <laughs> yeah. You know. Good. They're I don't thrifty. Know, like, when, point. when she like finally gets back into her place and she collapses on the bed, like, I don't know, maybe she just went right there. That was some editing. They probably shot the scene where she like just went straight to the bathroom and took a shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cut it out. <laughs> Yeah. But like, dude, there's there's no way she's like pulling up that dress in front of this this dude that you know she won't fuck. Right, uh, right, yeah. There's no way in hell. And then, um, you know, I watched this twice this week, and I think 
that second time was the ninth time I've seen this movie. I still don't know where Maggie Chung gets a son. I had the same question. Wait, she has a son? So at the yeah, end of the movie, the when Tony Long goes back home to the apartment and the guy's like, oh, um, a woman and her son live next door now. I mean, we saw Maggie Chung get that apartment. We know it's her next door. And, and then we see her with a son right after that. Where thought, Are we supposed would, to think it's Tony Long's son? Like, or? Did, did they fuck? <laughs> no, I don't cause, know. No, because like he's been away in like Singapore for all only, that time. It's only he's only been gone two years though. That was uh okay. He left in sixty two. They're now in sixty four. At this point, we don't see the kid though, do we? Yeah, she, we do. She grabs. Gra- she like yeah. I don't, I don't remember okay. that at all. I don't remember. It was yeah, right he, right before the Cambodia part. He looks okay. The kid looked older than. Years old. He, yeah, the kid did. Maybe she show. just had a kid the whole time. Five. I don't know. I mean, they just I mean, cut it, around it like the like they cut around her shitting. I mean, it <laughs> could have it could have been the husband, like because you know at at a certain point He's probably the like, aging. Like, well, no. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's Benjamin Button all over again. <laughs> But, like, I imagine, like, at some point, he probably, like, even though he's off, you know, fucking his neighbors and whoever else he's fucking yeah. in Japan. Geishas. Pro- yeah. Um, but he probably, like, someone in his family or, like, like someone around the office, like, hey, man, when are you going to have a kid? And so he probably, like, went home, had a kid, and, like, right. went on about his life. Let's bang. I got to go bang some other people. Yeah, yeah it's like, okay, we got to have a kid, yeah. so let's do this now. And And plus, if he bangs her and she's pregnant... She ain't getting with Tony Long. You know what I mean? She's pregnant. He's not going to touch that damaged goods. Yeah, you're right. Um, right? Yeah, I just, I really don't know what we're supposed to think about this son. And I Mm. I just have no clue. You should write a letter (laughs) to to Wong. Gonna need an explanation. Or Chris Doyle. He might know. He speaks English. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, so what I think of as like the real, Cambodia is kind of like an epilogue to me. Uh, so the ending where he goes to the apartment and doesn't stops at the door, thinks about you know, thinks about knocking, doesn't, and then I guess the scene before that where uh, you know we find out that Maggie Chung has been in his apartment in Singapore and called and like put the phone down without saying anything. Mm. Um, these moments, if they were in an American film would have been like much bigger way more sentimental there would have been like a swelling score like the uh scene in the wedding crashers where rachel mcadams walks down the hallway in the house to the door of owen wilson's room and owen wilson is contemplatively looking out the window in his rocking chair and she kind of like just barely taps on the door and he looks and then she goes like he didn't hear me tap so i'm gonna go back to bed and then she quietly walks back to bed and he gets up and opens the door and right when he does she's gone and then he walks to her door and the whole time a coldplay song is playing i have no words for how much i hate you right now <laughs> <laughs> that's how it would be an american film is my yeah point. but so yeah, i, I love right. that there are um like yeah there no music changes they don't go to slow-mo like nothing is like no moment is held too long it's not sentimental it just like it's it's lack of sentimentality almost like breaks my heart because uh, it's then it's just like it's done, you know. Gotta make a note to put a Coldplay song at the end of the episode. 
I believe that was Sparks you're looking for, John. Sparks, yes, thank My you. Thank you. <laughs> least favorite episode we've ever done. Make <laughs> sure that clocks. No, it's it's Sparks. He's right. It's uh, oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be good. There are a lot of clocks in this movie. That is true. Uh, a lot they, of clocks they hang in this movie. On, they hang on that clock in their office for an incredibly long period of time for some of those shots. And like, it's, always, it's always at night. Yeah. And it's always like, I think just like the amount of time they spend alone as we focus yeah. on a clock. Mm-hmm. We even get like a weird kind of fluttery slow mo of the clock a couple I times. I remember that, yeah. Which is a really, it's a really weird effect for a static shot of a clock. It's I just, quite agree. <laughs> that was, you know, that was a strange decision. Um, you know, so I, you know, I've probably blown my load enough. Do you guys any other thoughts? And the, the still uh, ninth time seeing it, still your favorite film of all time. Well, we're not at ratings yet. But. No, but I mean, that's what obviously you're going to give it a five. But I'm saying this is the still does it hold the title still? This is still my favorite movie of all time. Okay, that's interesting. Was it your favorite film when you saw it the first time? No. Okay, how many times did you see it before it took the reins of first of a favorite film? Probably two. Okay. <laughs> at the time, it had to, uh, it bumped off Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Wow. <laughs> there was like my top. I don't, I don't love my former college. Your top three were like the Boondock Saints. No, uh, it wasn't that bad, but it was... Uh, Pulp Fiction. Right. It, it Pulp. was, let's, we'll call it um, a film school top three. Sure. It was this, Eternal Sunshine, and City of God, which is a movie I barely like now. I, I, oh, it's been a long time since I've seen City of God. I was actually yeah. thinking about that movie the other day. It was a fucking mess. Because uh, I never watched uh, Morales' follow-up the Constant Gardener. Did you ever see this? Yeah, I uh, actually like that good? movie a yeah. lot. I would like to watch. I think it. it's a better movie. I now. think I've owned it on DVD for ten years now. I've never watched <laughs> it. <laughs> it's it's good. I really like Blindness a lot, which is I the movie like he made after I that. I like it a lot. Oh, I think I, I would I, prefer. I to really see. liked Blindness. <laughs> I can't be blind, Jerry. The blind are courageous. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. More Seinfeld for this episode. Um, yeah. Okay. Well. So let's you know. I mean, let's get, let's get a bounce. Someone give me some shit. What about this movie? Yeah, about the movie. I'm not gonna give you shit about the movie. No, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think. Not, it, <laughs> not like give me shit. I mean, like uh, talk shit about. Dish, the movie. Yeah. I mean, give 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 us some negatives. Well, I mean, I uh, personally. I mean, like I say, I didn't, I didn't dislike the movie. I just, I feel like it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's more like one of these things where I feel like I have to respect it for what it's trying to do while I don't really, it's not something that's enthralling me, you know, like I'm like, and that's not necessarily its fault. That comes from me being who I am. Uh, I'm just like a piece of shit American guy who doesn't really like Asian cinema very much. And uh, I can't really think of that many Asian movies that I like that aren't samurai movies. And uh, I mean, like I didn't like when we watched the Ozu film. Yeah, I watched the wrong one, but it was I didn't like it at all. (laughs) You you watched a much longer one. Yeah, well, it was brutal. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I didn't like the I liked I like Kurosawa from what I've seen except for when he made us watch the uh, the, the one that we watched whatever <laughs> the fuck it was called Bad, Bad Sleep Well yeah that movie <laughs> yeah. was terrible to me so I just I, you know I don't know if it's just like a problem I have with Asian cinema or if it's just a certain movies rub me the wrong way this one didn't rub me the wrong way or anything it was it's it like I said it, a lot of things make up for 
the faults of its story in my eyes, which aren't again, they're not they're just completely subjective. Like I just didn't I didn't really like love the story, but like I really enjoyed watching it, like looking at it was yeah, very pleasant. And uh especially any any and all shots featuring Maggie Chung uh were great to look at. Um have you guys seen her in other stuff? I feel like I have, but I don't know. I didn't look her up, so I don't She's know. She's in uh, Irma Vep, which oh, is I don't even know like Olivier is. Olivier Assayas's Oh, okay. Like breakout movie in 2000. Yeah, I haven't maybe? seen any of his films except or actually uh, it's probably like more like 93. I've only seen the Kristen Stewart films that he did. It's really good. And Maggie Chung is really good and and really hot. Naked? No. <laughs> I, I had I don't to think ask, she's bro. Ever. Okay. She's 53 now. Uh, she was in Hero with Jet Li. Yeah, Christopher Dole shot that also. I didn't see that. Um Hero's really good. I've heard it's good, but yeah. I I need to watch it again. No, I haven't seen any of these movies she's on. Mm. I've never even heard of most of them. I highly recommend Irma, Irma Vep, and that's French. It's French, not Chinese, so you can you can get down with it. <laughs> oh, she's in. I've seen Super Cop. Yeah, the Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> she's. I oh think yeah. She's yeah. his girlfriend in the first three. She is. She's useless. Yeah, because Super Cop she is doesn't police have story do. three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She doesn't have anything to do in those movies. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, I've seen her in that. She doesn't like. I think in only one does she get kidnapped and have to be saved. She's not even like a damsel in distress. She's just there. Is she uh, in uh, Crouching Tiger? No. No. Yeah, no, I haven't seen any of this shit. I'm sorry. Mm. You don't need to apologize for that. You just need to fix I've it. I've seen the police story movies, but I mean, I don't remember her being in them. So, um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I like again, I'm not, you know, it's hard for me to say like, I'm not going to come out like, I don't hate this movie at all. Like, you know, it's just kind of like not something that is arouses a great deal of passion in me i can't imagine this being my favorite film of all time <laughs> but then we're different <laughs> yeah. we're different humans I yeah yeah i agree <laughs> this movie's, oh, this yeah, movie's okay. so subtle that it's like it's teetering on like like non non-existent for me i mean like it's, it's <laughs> good for what it is jonathan will claim that he has never seen this movie a year from now <laughs> like, I've, I've never seen that shit it, it, it looks great and so it's just it 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 does nothing for me, like it, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you like know. the relationships that I don't, I just don't care. And I, I mean, that's just a personal thing. I don't know. Yeah, um, I find it hard to care as well, John. <laughs> 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 so I, you know, I I would recommend. I know you guys won't go watch it like soon, but um, twenty forty six is just like a wildly different beast of a movie. Um, that does feature Maggie Chung in like a section, but it's like, it's like a few different story, like his encounters with a few different women, all of whom are just drop dead gorgeous. Um, and there's like a weird sci-fi element to it. Um, and then like going back, he, most of Wong Kar Wai's movies are kind of, since since he doesn't have a script, he kind of puts them together. Like as he, he shoots and edits at the same time. Um, and he kind of has to hold things together with voiceover. So those earlier nineties movies can be a little bit of a challenge if you're just absolutely against voiceover, which I often am. The voiceovers are typically very good though Hmm. for, for voiceover. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I could, uh, I'm at a place with this guy where I could pretty much like every time I have a movie come up in this rotation, I could make it a Wonka movie. 
Let's try not to do that, though. Okay, because I'm, I'm going to watch Chunking Express, so just chill out, okay? I know. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I just okay. I could do it. Yeah. Um, right, right. With, for like, sure. Every movie but my Blueberry Nights. Oh, I forgot Nora he did Jones. that. Yeah, I forgot he did Which that. Just a bit. So that's, and I, I was thinking about this the other day when I was watching In the Move for Love. I was like, is my Blueberry Nights a bad movie, or is it the same movie he's made a bunch of times with an American cast where I can actually see the acting. Right. Um, I mean, hiring Nora Jones was not a good idea. She's not an actor, mm-hmm. but she, she's bad. Jude Law is bad. I, I think the, the dialogue they have to give just does not work. Uh, um, is it Nora Jones, Ravi Shankar's daughter or something? Yeah. 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 Or like yeah. niece. Oh, uh, related. related to him somehow. Yeah. Maybe she's an actor. Maybe she's an actor. I just didn't know. I no, she, no, no. I apologize, she's Nora. not an actor. She, Ravi Shankar is a musician. Oh, who's that? He's Nora a, Jones? The, no, I know who Nora oh, okay, Jones is. <laughs> I don't know who You don't know who Shankar. Ravi Shankar is? Yeah. He's like a famous Indian musician. He's like the the most famous Indian musician. He was musician. at Woodstock, I think. Or yeah. no, Monterey Pop. I, I think it's Monterey. Yeah. Uh, he plays sitar. He's huge in the 70s. So I've probably 60s. seen him in that Criterion yeah, DVD. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Monterey Pop. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And didn't give He's a shit because I couldn't that. stand watching that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, let's yeah. go. Yeah, let's do. Uh, Ratings out of five. Yeah. Thank you. It's your movie, man. Oh, I go, for, I go first? Why okay. not? Well, because you know my rating. Uh, my rating then. is it's the best movie of all time. <laughs> so Seven out of five. five out of five. Five yeah, out of five. Okay. A hundred out of five. Jonathan? You're going three. Three out of five. Four and a half. I went three all as well. So, yeah. Uh, it's a nice little mix of I'll correct s- and I'll incorrect. Say, uh, That's good. <laughs> I'll say after the first five minutes or so, it was a three and it never fluctuated. So I don't know how you do that. Like, do you think about the rating before your the movie's over? Sometimes I do. <sighs> And like at this one, the when it first started, those first couple of shots were kind of like I was like, "This is this looks really good. This might be like a four and a half for me." And then it was like, "Oh, that's all there is to it." So it, <laughs> it was a three. Ooh. Sorry, uh, actually, bud. I, I'm gonna go three and a half. Oh, I, I, did, I did like the I like the ending. I like that's, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not. Um, if we, if he'd have been on a mountain yeah. with a tree, might have been a three and a half. Hmm. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Anyway, I, I crying, do know that for crying inside a little bit, but I'm <laughs> like a Chinese movie character, and I don't uh, show it. Yeah, <laughs> bottle it up. Like JR's, we won't be like them. JR's first pick, uh, the apartment. Like uh, for me, like up until like the last, like I guess like three or four minutes, it was a four and a half. But then those last three or four minutes made it a five for me. So nice. I'll have to uh, never still haven't watched that. <laughs> I wouldn't watch Found, and you can't watch The Apartment. I know. Well, I, hey, nobody I asked it. you to watch Found, man. <laughs> I, I, I almost want to apologize that you watched that. You put yourself through that because that movie is fucking terrible. Yeah. But um, did you watch uh, Big Trouble in Little China? I mean, I've seen that a few times. Okay. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like that movie a lot. I think it's weird that you guys have done two. Carpenters, Car- two Carpenter movies from like that period of Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah! Wait, I mean, what, I, what are the other one that we did? You did uh, Escape from New York, didn't oh, you? That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you hated it. I did hate Escape yeah. from New York a lot. Yeah, fucking douchebag. It's not good. <laughs> it's very not good. I do not like that. It's movie. it's a weird movie. The to model not like. work alone, man. I mean, that's a weird uh, movie to not like. It's, Thank you. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird to not like Escape from L.A. Well, I, I, I can't get it's that. It's been a I long time since I've seen time. that one, but uh, I, I, I think it was nine it's when I saw that one last. Fucking time, blast! 
I like Peter Fonda, so it might work for me. But uh, anyway, well, that's uh, that's our our show. So uh, if you want to what next week? What's next week? Well, I'm gonna get to that, John. If you just give me a fucking second here, he hasn't been here in a while. I gotta get back at the flow. I forgot the rules. if you want to write to us, uh, email us at feedback at filmiacpodcast.com. Visit our website, filmiacpodcast.com. We have a blog there. Go to our blog. And, and uh, one thing I forget to, to mention on every episode, please, if you're listening to the show, go on your iTunes app and rate our show. The full rating, five out of five, okay? Uh, give us all the stars. Write a review because it helps the show get to more people. And uh, ultimately, I don't know how much we really give a shit, but we definitely want people to listen if we didn't, we wouldn't be doing it. Although it is a great excuse to just talk movies, you know, which I do love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, next week on the show is going to be Jonathan's pick finally because we're just we're seriously we had three weeks there. Yeah, where it's we annoying. it was none of the original people <laughs> giving our deep dive picks, and we had to watch Found again. So just a trash, you know. So never again, Winston. But uh, you know, Jonathan's pick next week. Jonathan, what do you got for us? It's going to be another Asian movie for okay. John. That's no fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to watch The Face of Another by uh, Hiroshi Teshigahara. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, I don't know what that is, so that's You're exciting. You're going to love it. The Face of Another? Yeah. Uh, by Ishigara? There's, there's like a Teshigahara. There's like a trilogy on Criterion. It's got Pitfall, Woman in the Dunes, and uh, that one. I've seen Woman in the Dunes and uh, this one. And I've yet to see Pitfall, but uh, they're both pretty fucking awesome. It's never, a good, never it's a good little box set. Uh, so this will be great. So we'll be watching. It, it might be on YouTube as well. Hiroshi Teshigahara, his film The Face of Another from 1966. According to Wikipedia, a Japanese new wave film. Uh, yeah. John, you're going to be back for that one, yeah? If you'll have me, goddamn right. I'm on yeah. the. I'm on you're the on the site now. now, man. You're you're a permanent host unless you're going to be gone and out of town for eight weeks again. I don't. Yeah, uh, you know. It is on. YouTube, sadly, so. school's about to fucking start. Yeah, I so know. Brutal. Can't can't go uh, can't go anywhere for too long. Brutal. Anyway, uh, so we'll be back next week with the face of another. Thanks a lot for listening to our show. Uh, remember to rate us on iTunes if you can. Uh, check out our website. And until next time, that's it. Bye. What was the other trash one? Eraser Boy. Are we recording? <laughs> Eraser. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. You guys ready? Eraser, Eraser Boy, son of Eraser Head.